With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com. Time now for the Gridiron Stud Show. Well, you can be all American. I'm asking you now. You're asking. I can do it now. You can do it now? Yeah, I can do it. I'm trying to focus on my Right out the bat. With your host, Chad Wilson. They hating on me on set. You know I got to be setting in the mix. Bringing you high school, college, and NFL talk. I don't rap a discipline. Me up. You all need more discipline. True discipline. Come on, get a grip. Call us on the show today. Don't get out of my face with that crazy stuff. The number to call, 347-633-9365. Y'all got to take, y'all know that. Or you can reach us on Twitter, at GridironStud. And now, your host, Chad That intro is a pretty big deal. It makes me feel super important, man. Like I'm a, I'm big time. That is a big time intro. I could do one of those for one of y'all one day. You can have an intro just like that. And we could rig it so uh, it plays right when you come through the house. All right, here's the deal. This is the fourth annual Gridiron Stud Show. National Signing Day Eve show. Did this thing. Started about four years ago. It's the first time I'm also simultaneously doing this on Facebook Live. So um, with this being a radio show, I, I, you know, I may not be able to respond to all of uh, the questions that might pop up here on Facebook Live because it doesn't really make for good radio if I'm responding to those questions um, while doing this also on Blog Talk Radio. But believe me, I'm seeing them all um, come with the questions in the comments. It'll trigger talking points here during the show. But here's what we got coming up as we do every year. I've got a nice stable. I mean, a nice roster coming up of recruiting reporters from around the country. We're going to talk recruiting not only in the state of Florida, but from coast to coast. We're going to go up north, talk about Michigan and Ohio State, what's going on there, who's winning the battle, um, and uh, anything else going on up there around the Great Lakes. We'll talk a little bit about what's happening in the Midwest and then also what's happening out in California. So we've got a number of things going on. Like I said, I got a nice roster coming up. You don't want to miss any of this. I've got Rob Cassidy from Rivals coming on with me, Andrew Spivey from Gator Country. 
Bud Elliott, SB Nation, Tomahawk Nation. So Florida State recruiting will be talked about tonight. The legend in South Florida, Larry Bluestein, joining me on the show tonight. Greg Biggins from Out West, 247 reporter. Bill Green, 247 reporter, talking and covering primarily the Midwest, as well as Andrew Ivins. We got to talk about the American Heritage Four, as they have now been termed and coined. That is the phrase now for Andrew Chatfield, Nesta Silvera, Pat Sertan, and Tyson Campbell. It's the American Heritage Four. We will touch on them quite a bit during the show tonight. But Andrew Ivins um, is a, a man that's followed the situation rather closely, so we'll have him on. Then we'll round this whole thing off with national recruiting reporter Woody Womack. Yeah, what a way to end this thing. Uh, well, he'll be the last guy that I have on. And then now in the final hour, um, we'll take questions here, recruiting questions on the Gridiron Stud Show. If you want to call into the show and you're listening on Blog Talk Radio, the number to call is 319-527-6059. Also, you folks listening or watching on Facebook Live, if you do want to call into the show and you're not scared and you want your voice to be heard, you can also call that number, 319-527-6059. Again, 319-527-6059 if you want to call into the show tonight. If you got any questions, comments, or things like that, that's in the final hour. So that's 9 to 10 o'clock Eastern time. You know, if you stay up that late, you can uh, ask yourself some, you can ask some questions here. I'll do my best to answer them. Somewhere in this show, I'm going to tell you where I think the American Heritage Four are going. I'm telling you right now, it's only a theory. Uh, I know nothing for sure. It has been the most tight-lipped recruiting that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Larry Bluestein will be on here with me later. He's seen a lot down here in South Florida, so I'm going to ask him that question. Has he ever seen anything more Fort Knoxed than um, the decisions for Tyson Campbell, Pat Sertan, and then a little bit what we've got going on with Nesta Silvera. Is he going to Miami or not? We're going to ask those questions. We're going to find out tonight. We're going to throw out theories, questions, um, rumors. All those things are going to be addressed on the show tonight. This show is always a lot of fun. Every year it's um, one of the most listened to and watched shows that I do each and every year. So lots of fun. Kind of gets us all uh, lathered up for the big day tomorrow, uh, signing day. A little bit different this year because we had the one in December. I don't know what folks think out there. Is this uh, December National Signing Day going to kind of cheapen the one in February with years to come? I'm having a feeling that it's going to do that. But for now, it's here, and it's as big as ever, especially with uh, some of the decisions that are going to be made and announcements that are going to be made tomorrow. So uh, we're going to have a good time here over the next two to three hours trying to cover those things. Um, as we talk with the recruiting reporters from around the country. And, of course, you folks watching on Facebook Live and listening here on the on Blog Talk Radio, feel free to chime in with your comments and uh, your questions. We'll take all those questions in the uh, final hour from 9 to 10. You guys like my shirt? How about that, man? All eyes, DB Camp, fresh and brand new, long sleeves. I got them in red. I got them in black. Got them in blue. Got them in green guys want to get your hands on one of those inbox me inbox me but uh these things are nice i like these i like these puppies huh all eyes db camp one of the sponsors of the show if you got a young db at home age 13 plus all eyes db camp definitely the place to take him uh get his footwork skills straight um learn the techniques and uh the basics and the schematics of playing cornerback safety Anywhere in that secondary, we'll get them right there at All Eyes DB Camp. Uh, many high school defensive backs are left out in the cold. I know I kind of was. Um, you know, it's, it's 
it's not it's hard to find good DB coaches. All right. Good defensive back coaches are not plentiful, so uh, try to fill the gap there. Um, and we do it at All Eyes DB Camp group sessions every Sunday, 2 p.m. at Betty T. Ferguson Park. So bring them out and um, let's get them coached up. Also, welcome high school coaches there as well. Um, if you uh, want to come out, bring a kid out there with you, more than happy to uh, have you out there at All Eyes DB Camp. But again, group sessions available uh, on Sundays at 2 p.m. And as always, um, you can send an email to cwilson at gridironstuds.com for further information if you're interested in one-on-one training or anything like that. Again, ages 13 and up and by up, I mean all the way through college and NFL. Um, train them all the way up. So all eyes, DB, camp. I like these shirts. I wish I could show you the back there, huh? All right, that doesn't make for good radio. Sometimes I forget that I'm on blog talk radio. But on the back, it says consistency breeds results. And uh, you can follow us on Instagram at All Eyes DB Camp. So, um, what are we talking about here tonight? Uh, talking about obviously Florida recruiting, Florida State, and Florida brand new coaches. How are they doing out on the trail? Um, how is University of Miami capitalizing on one of their best seasons in recent uh, history? Um, are they getting a big swing in terms of recruiting off of the um, increase in wins on the field. Mark Rick doing a fine job at the University of Miami on the field. How's he doing out on the trail? Those questions are going to get answered um, here tonight with uh, several of our guys that we're having on. Uh, obviously, in the Midwest, there's uh, Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer. How's that going? Who's winning that one? Um, we're going to head out west. How's Chip Kelly doing? Brand new UCLA football coach. Is he going to turn things around? Obviously, that's going to start on the recruiting trail. How's he doing out there? But, again, he's not the only one. Out west, um, the Pac-12 has four brand-new coaches. Okay, so one-fourth of the Pac-12 in terms of coaching is going to be brand-new. How are they doing out there? Who's doing what? And then USC, um, are they still holding it down out there? They've been the monsters out there for quite some time. Is anyone gaining on him? What's Washington doing? Uh, Chris Peterson has been doing a fine job on the field. Uh, are they uh, making any strides forward in terms of catching up to uh, USC uh, on the recruiting trail? So we've got all those questions to answer. But then, you know, as we know, we've got the big questions. What's going to happen with the American Heritage Four? And then, you know what? Uh, we've had a lot of decommits, and um, we might need to discuss that, some of that tonight. So we'll be uh, doing some of those things out here uh, on the show tonight. So looking forward to that. How about in the Midwest? Kevin Sumlin, um, out at Texas A&M. Jimbo Fisher's in, and um, he has this huge contract, $75 million for 10 years, raised a lot of eyebrows. Haven't heard much about his recruiting class out there at Texas A&M. So uh, what to make out of that? Is he worth the money? And, you know, uh, he got this huge contract, and with it comes a big burden. So, you know, everyone's going to sum up Jimbo Fisher's worth as a football coach in Texas by uh, what he does in this first season. They're going to just make whole big generalizations about that. That's just how we are in our society. And uh, so they're going to really just lay it all down for you. Um, I like Kevin Sumlin out in Arizona. He's one of the first, he's one of the four new coaches out there. I thought Sumlin really belonged in the Pac-12. I was thinking he was going to Arizona State, but the Sun Devils um, did an end run, a reverse, and went with Herman Edwards. 
Who saw that coming? But nevertheless, Sumlin ends up out there in Arizona anyway, um, but this time with the Arizona Wildcats. It may take a little bit of time for him to, um, I don't want to say undo, but retool the roster after a Rich Rodriguez uh, offense was in place there. So um, Sumlin will have to uh, take a little time to retool the roster. The most important thing will be what he does in that in between time. What is he? How does he gradually move the offense from what it was under Rich Rod to what it is he likes to do? So that's going to be interesting. That's a big part of coaching too. But I'm sure Sumlin would not have taken the job if he didn't feel confident enough that he could uh, get those things done. But uh, I'm all excited about um, this show and tomorrow. Um, really, really interested to see. Listen, I'm going to be at American Heritage. I will be, um, I'll be live from American Heritage on Instagram. So you want to be sure to follow me there at Gridiron Studs, at Gridiron Studs on Instagram. I'll be live there tomorrow at American Heritage. It's going to be the place to be here in South Florida. As you've got the number one and number two cornerbacks in the country, Pat Sertan and Tyson Campbell, going to get on stage and. Uh, make some program very happy, break the hearts of others, um, and excite recruiting fans and college football fans from all over the country. Um, also making the announcement tomorrow will be Nesta Silvera, uh, defensive tackle, as well as Andrew Chatfield, defensive end for American Heritage. And like I said, if I, I didn't come up with this. This is the term that uh, they're being called now, the American Heritage Four. We need to make some T-shirts for that. But nevertheless, uh, that's what we've got. Coming on. All right, so who's up first tonight? It's going to be Rob Cassidy from Rivals, um, one of my favorite reporters out there um, on the trail. Good sense of humor, but also has good information. So I'm going to bring Rob on with me, and we'll just hop right into it right here. Rob, listen, um, everybody wants to know where are these guys from American Heritage going, and it would seem that I'd be the one to ask for it. But <laughs> I was going to ask you. Yeah, you know what I mean? So I'm, I've certainly taken enough phone calls about it, but it's they're handing you checks to know this kind of information. So I'm going to put you uh, on the spot. Um, I, I realize, Rob, you're probably going to be making a guess like anyone else. So reading the tea leaves and what you've read, what you've felt, um, what you've been able to read on body language, um, what, do you, what do you think for Satan and Campbell? Uh, let me first say that the reason they're handing me checks to uh... – to know this kind of information is usually I just ask guys like you off the record who coach them. <laughs> but, it's good. Uh, hey, I don't know me. if it's a good thing for for you to uh, be uh, to let me know your checks rely on me. Not good. Not good. Not good. No. So I uh, I talked to Patrick Sertan Senior today, and he was just about as helpful as you are. Uh, I think sure. it's going to be LSU for. I think it's going to be LSU for Sertan. I have for a long time, just because okay. those relationships are. When you've built a relationship as long as he has with Ed Orgeron, it is hard mm-hmm. to break that. Even if even if you're Nick Saban, even if you're landing helicopters in fields, even if you're mm-hmm. in a hometown school like Miami, sure. they've known each other for a long time. That's not to be discounted. I think Campbell is even more intriguing. I think it could be Miami. Mm-hmm. I think it could be Georgia. I think if mm-hmm. you would have asked me this last week, I would have said definitely Georgia. But right. you never know. That last visit, that last visit carries momentum. You know, say what you will, but Miami got the last visit, and that's you know that's you can't discount that. Yeah. What what word did you get out of this weekend um, for both of those guys, but more so Campbell, since it it would it would seem to me he's more of a real possibility for Miami than Sertan. What did you gather from that 
from that visit this weekend? And, you know, I think no matter what, a kid's going to tell you he had a great visit, but I think, you know, it really, it really did strike a chord with him, and they're ready for it. I mean, Mark Rick came in there and changed the way that they recruited. Instead of having these sure. big, colossal junior days, it's more one-on-one attention, uh, and it's worked mm-hmm. extremely well. So they didn't just not have a plan for Campbell when he showed up on campus. Uh, mm-hmm. Rick just showed that his approach works. Uh, and I think they really opened his eyes. I don't know that that means he's going to land there. I went on our podcast, and I did pick Miami earlier in the week. Okay. Um, it's, I, this is one of the more confounding recruitments I can remember from around here. Usually oh, yeah. I know. I do, I do not know. No, <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm right there with you. I don't think I've seen anyone this, anything this tight-lipped before. And listen, Rob, you and I know uh, we've both been at this for a minute. I don't think I've seen anything this tight. You know, I had someone call me this, this week asking me about it, and I said, there are more leaks in Washington than anything coming off of West Broward Boulevard right now. So I got to take my hat off to my head coach that I coached for this year uh, and the family and the kids for um, just keeping it really close to the vest. It could be um, because they don't, they don't know themselves. So there may be nothing to tell us. I would assume right now they know. And that's when I talked to Patrick Kent senior today and he told me he doesn't even know he's torn. I'm like, I understand you have mm. to say that, <laughs> but right. I mean, I, I think their tan's mind is made up. Campbell, I could believe maybe even right now does not know. Um, yeah. I, it's really intriguing. I'm going to be watching just like everybody else. with him. Oh yeah. Um, bring the popcorn. Let's talk about uh, up the road in Tallahassee. They've got a brand new coach just like uh, they do in Gainesville, but I want to focus right now on Willie Taggart uh, coming in. Um, late, and what's he been able to do? Has he been able to make up some ground? Is he gonna is he gonna make Florida State fans happy tomorrow, or is there gonna be a little bit of wringing of the hands tomorrow for Willie Taggart and Florida State fans? I think they should already be happy, uh, and I think they will be. You know, they've charged, they may charge to the fringe of the top ten, uh, despite a late coaching change, despite him not getting a staff in place very quickly. Mm-hmm. It was nice that he had Warren Thompson out of Tampa committed to him when mm-hmm. he was. At Oregon, he commits to him again uh, here at mm-hmm. Florida State. It's probably a short list of, of coaches that have landed a Rivals 100 guy at two schools in the same cycle. <laughs> but sure. he was able to right. pull that off. He's going to get his two Armwood teammates with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think, you know, they'll get a quarterback in this class. I think that, you know, you have to measure expectations, and not, people aren't very good at that. Uh, I don't think yeah. you can expect Willie Taggart College or anybody football to come fans in. suck at that. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> well, fans in general, man. I'm uh, the only sport I care about is baseball, and I'm just as irrational about the Mets as people are about their college football teams. But you know, I think you have to be reasonably happy. You know, when you consider the situation, this is right. you know this is as good as anybody could have expected in your first cycle. Mm-hmm. Boy, Tiger. Yeah, um, I, I would agree. But at the end of the day, I mean, right now, um, where where are they where are they sitting at rivals? I'm looking for these guys. Florida State's class right now is sitting at. Yeah, they're inside the top 20. I thought I looked on Monday, and they were somewhere on the fringe there. Yeah, any chance they close at at near the the top 10? You see anything like that? I don't think Mm -hmm. they're going to get into the top eight, but I think they can get near the top 10. Um, Taggart may have something up his sleeve. I think the hand-wringing might come at their old coach. I Like you said, right before I came on the show, I was listening in. They may not. They may not be too thrilled with Jimbo down in College Station, though, unless he has some tricks up his sleeve. I've heard absolutely zero on Texas A&M's recruiting class, and we all know Texas is different, um, and you kind of have to be from Texas to get it going fast in there. And so 
Um, yeah, I've heard nothing. That's going to be fun. Everyone's going to start counting his money tomorrow if this class doesn't, you know, um, get a whole lot stronger than it is right now. I see you guys have him at 42. Um, barring a miracle, they're going to be outside of the top 20, and that's just not a good start for them. So outside of the Campbell and Sertan thing, what are the, the uh, three biggest stories tomorrow going into National Signing Day? I think there's going to be a lot of talk about Georgia. Uh, mm-hmm. they've, they've put together an incredible class, and when you pair that with the season they just had, I think whether it's true or not, there will be a narrative out there that is this mm-hmm. the SEC changing of the guard? Is Kirby Smart biting at Nip Saban Teals? That will be a story. I think around here locally it's going to be a big Miami story. Uh, this is yeah. the best class they've had in years. Um, but, mm-hmm. you know, they signed this thing. It's not like it's new, but, you know, it's on signing day, and that becomes the narrative again is look at Miami. How are they doing this? Um, I think mm-hmm. that'll be a big story in the momentum. And I think look for a strong closeout West from USC as well. I mean, they've got a lot of guys. It seems like they always have a lot of guys still on the table on signing day. They close strong. Sure. Uh, and I think, I think that's going to be a big deal too. Yeah. And that's something I'm, I'm looking out for. I want to see if they can continue to um, keep a hold on things. You know, Chip Kelly's in there now. Um, you've got Herman Edwards in there. I mean, it's a name, albeit a, uh, an older one, but then Kevin Sumlin has arrived in Arizona and, um, you know, Washington has continued to do well. So, is uh, as, as anyone taking any chunks out of USC's lead that they've had in recruiting for years now? That's something I'm anxious to watch. Yeah, that is going to take some time, I think. With someone, I think he's going to be great at Arizona, but you want to talk about a guy that got a late start. I mean, he didn't get hired there until, you know, it looked like Richard would be yeah. the coach until that scandal broke. So, he got a late right. start. I don't think you can judge him at all on this class. You'll have to wait until next year to see what he can do. Yeah, good luck with fans on that. They're going to expect this thing cooked up in, in a week. But nevertheless, uh, I think they, someone they're gonna be mad is where you're supposed to. Campbell, right? Yeah, right? Uh, they'll be all pissed <laughs> off about that, too, even though there's nowhere you can buy an Arizona hat anywhere in here in South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you'd have to check Amazon for that. Well, uh, before I let you go, there's also a brand-new coach in Gainesville. Um, I haven't talked much about this, but um, what what do you think – how good of a job do you think Mullen's done coming in late also? He's fighting his footing a little bit, and that's to be expected. I think that people need to understand that you said Texas is different. Well, Florida's a little bit of a different game, too. He's mm-hmm. been here. He's been an assistant there. But he's not been a head coach out here. Like, Willie mm-hmm. Taggart knows the ropes. He's been here more recently. He knows the right, right people to talk to because it's not always the high school coach, no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, oh, that's oh yeah. You Boy, do we know that. Or in Texas. Yeah, uh, but you got to deal with other people, and I think Willie Taggart understands that. I think Mark Rick understands that. Having come from Miami, uh, I think Dan Mullen is learning that uh, now as a head coach, just kind of the landscape. Mm-hmm. And I think there's an adjustment period. I don't think it's an indictment of him if his class isn't as good as Florida fans would like it to be. Uh, he's mm-hmm. a proven coach. He's a proven recruiter. And I think once he figures out the Florida landscape, which takes anybody, even when I moved here, not recruiting, yeah. but just trying to figure out how to manage recruits, it takes people time to figure out how to do sure. it down here. And I think he'll yeah, get no question. Out. Yeah, no question about that. Hey, we don't get to talk about these kind of schools much, but the head coach of this particular school keeps them um, in the headlines, especially on Twitter, and I think you know what I'm talking about. We're talking about Lane (laughs) Kiffin. So have they been able to get any kind of a boost over the great season that they've had? Has there been an uptick in recruiting for FAU? Yeah, you know, you may have to – I pay a little bit of attention there. Um, I'm focused a lot on the national kids. Our boy Andrew Ivins is an alum who's coming on the show later who will – know a little bit better but the kids that I talk to yes I mean everybody knows Lane everybody thinks Mm -hmm. Lane's a clown Lane knows he's not he knows what he's doing on Twitter it's getting the brand out there and when you pair that with a great season 
Yeah, he's absolutely a mastermind. He, it's not like he's doing this accidentally. Uh, it's like a Harbaugh effect almost on a smaller scale. A lot of the kids that you saw looking at UCF before, uh, that obviously helped them to go undefeated. A lot of the kids even that w- would look at, you know, that level of school, uh, Toledo, uh, around, are now the first choice there is FAU because of Lane Kiffin, because the brand is out there, because now, you know, the, the improvement is tangible on the field. You know, it's a perfect storm for him. Yeah, um, that's going to be an interesting battle, you know, uh, because you did mention uh, UCF and how they may be pulling guys away from UCF right now. And UCF lost Scott Frost, so um, they've got a new face. It seems like there's new faces everywhere, but it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, I wasn't thinking FAU would chew into Florida State, Florida, and Miami, but what are they going to do to the UCF and USF? Uh, programs. Yeah, that's that's what that's what to look at. I think, Chad, that's going to be interesting. You know what else is a weird storyline that people will start tracking? I think is Nebraska now. The kids that used to go to Louisville, now what's going to stop them from going to Nebraska? Like they usually, Louisville used to prey on those kids that didn't get the big state, the you know Florida, Florida State, Miami offers. They'd get up mm-hmm. to Louisville and turn them to stars. Now Scott Frost is waiting in that same pool. He's never going to go head to head with Miami, Florida, Florida State. But now he's taking those Louisville kids. I think Dominic Watt goes to Louisville. If Scott yeah, that is, there. that is interesting. Vanderbilt gets a kid from American Heritage. They would have got Miles Jones if Frost doesn't go to Nebraska. And true, they- true. Um, and, yeah, that is uh, – I didn't really think about that angle. Louisville has feasted on South Florida, and now they do have company uh, with Nebraska, who has in their glory days found – a little bit of success coming down here and finding a guy here and there. Um, and Scott Frost knows about that because he was a, a part of the teams that benefited from that. So um, they may, that may be the strategy for him once again. Yeah, no doubt about it, man. Yeah. Well, listen, Rob, I appreciate you coming on. I know you got a whole lot going on. This is, uh, this is Christmas Eve for you guys. So um, I appreciate you yeah, taking yeah. the time if I, out. If I, have, if I have to deliver the presents, it's Christmas and I'm Santa Claus doing all the work. <laughs> All right, man. Well, uh, what do we need to know about Rivals coverage tomorrow? How can we stay on top of what's going on um, all over the country? Yeah, we'll have everything on the main page at Rivals.com, on the national page. And obviously we have the subsidiaries that cover every school. So, you know, whoever's a fan of whatever school can get in where they fit in there. But most of the national signing gate coverage will be on our front page. You know, we'll have live files and uh, analysis and updates and, and stories on all these commitments that are breaking. All right. Well, appreciate you once again coming on, Rob Cassidy, Rivals.com. Thanks for joining us, Rob. Thanks, Chad. Peace. All right. Um, a lot of interesting things uh, talked about there. Uh, one of the big things that, um, you know, for us locally down here in South Florida, which is where the Gridiron Stud Show hails from, is the uh, dynamic of FAU. I mean, they, they had one hell of a season, and they managed to keep the coach. Um, there were some rumors about Lane Kiffin leaving and going somewhere else, but he's, he's not, he's, he's there. Um, and UCF lost their guy. So let's see how that works out. Um, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. So we're going to see how that goes. Excuse me. <coughs> Sent some water down the wrong pipe there, but um, yeah, new coach there at UCF. So um, does FAU cut into that? USF still has Charlie Strong. Um, maybe they cut into what UCF's got going on. So things are going to get tough out there. Well, I did mention the University of Florida and their brand-new coach, and um, who better to talk about that than my next guest? It's Andrew Spivey from GatorCountry.com. Spivey, appreciate you joining 
the fourth annual Gridiron Studs National Signing Day Eve show. How's it going? Pretty good. It's kind of crazy that this is the fourth one. I remember the first one we had, and it was uh, it was the shorter show. Yeah, you know, I just I don't know if you know. I just pull that thing from the hip and say, hey, what if I just grab all these reporters and let's get them all in one spot and start talking about recruiting? And you know, it was supposed to be a short show. It was going to be an hour. Just like all the other shows, and this thing, the thing kind of ran all night, and people loved it, and so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm bonded now. I gotta, I gotta keep doing this thing, and I enjoy it. So that's you're a man of the good. people, Chad. Uh, that's what I try to be, man. Uh, Wilson in 2020. All right, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a run. I'm gonna throw... <laughs> all right, let's get down to business. All right, the two biggest things, especially down here in South Florida, concerning the Florida Gators are two kids that I happen to know very well. They made me look like a good coach for the last two years. That's my defensive end, Andrew Chatfield, and the defensive tackle, Nesta Silvera. Spivey, what are you hearing here late about uh, both of those guys? Let's start with Chatfield. Yeah, I mean, with Chatfield, you know, he's a guy that uh, Florida was on in the summertime, and, uh, you know, I felt like Florida was in good shape. Then the coaching change happened, and uh, Miami offered, and then it looked like Miami had uh, had t- maybe taken the lead back for, for Chatfield. But uh, after that uh, official visit uh, two weekends ago, it kind of seems like Florida is the, is the team to watch for um, tomorrow uh, on signing day. Uh, uh, Todd Grantham, Sal Sundry, and Dan Mullen have all made Chatfield kind of a priority. And I think you would agree with me here, Chad, and that Andrew just fits that 3-4 defense so well. Uh, you know, being that outside linebacker defensive end. And, um, yeah, I, I personally think it's a good fit. Uh, you know, I remember telling you a while ago that I thought Chatfield was going to be a, a really good player in college, and I still stand by that. I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be able to rush the passer in that 3-4 defense and be very well. Florida needs that outside linebacker as well in this class. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. Um, they need a dynamic pass rusher. Um, it'd be nice to get some heat in there. And so – um, where would you gauge it? 50-50, 70-30, Florida? If you put some numbers on it. People need numbers out here. People need numbers. I would say 70-30, 80-20, Florida right now. I, I just feel like Florida has really made him such a priority um, that, that I, I feel pretty good in saying uh, Chatfield to Florida on Wednesday, barring some kind of crazy uh, last-minute uh, thing before you guys announce at 10 o'clock on, uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I mean, that seems to be the general consensus. A lot of people feeling like he's, uh, of the four guys, that's probably the one that um, has the least drama, shall I, if I can use that word, surrounded uh, around that. So um, let's move on to one where there is a little bit more drama, and that's Nesta Silvera. Um, What are you hearing there? What do you think? Where is this one going to go? Had you told me a couple of days ago that this was even going to be a, a talked about today uh, and tomorrow, I'd have probably laughed at you and said, "Yeah, okay, good job, now. So you built built up some suspension, you know, or suspense in your uh, in your process." And, and but then you know, now that it kind of goes on a little bit, you know, it definitely seems like there's a little bit of a leg there. I, I personally still think Nesta stays with Miami, I, I, but I do think that Florida made up a lot of ground and, and really made him a priority. Florida isn't going to take a defensive tackle in the class if Nesta goes to 
to Miami. So uh, I guess that's a big draw to him as well. And of course, you know, you got all the American heritage guys at uh, Florida, his cousin James Houston and then Marco, your son. Uh, all those guys are there. His good friend Ch- Andrew Chaps will likely go on there. Um, so it seems like that that's going to be, you know, the pool if he's to go to Florida. But I still say it's Miami. I just I think that relationship sticking that long is, is going to win out. Yeah, uh, that may be the case. Andrew Spivey from Gator Country joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Uh, to Urban Meyer on this one, what I'm hearing is that the kid's heading to Ohio State. Have you heard the same? If not, what do you think is going to happen there with him? Yeah, I think you've lost him to, to Ohio State. Uh, that relationship with Urban dates back a few years now. And, um, you know, even losing Greg Schiano, who was kind of the guy that really got Ohio State in the picture, it looks like Nick is heading up to Ohio State. And, um, yeah, it's a good fit for him, and, uh, you know, I would say that uh, it was them, Notre Dame, and Florida were kind of the finalists. Florida just came in so late for a guy like Nick who's basis his recruitment off relationships. It was just a little too little too late, but uh, Florida put up a good fight, and uh, Urban's getting a good one. Um, any surprises that you think are coming up for Florida tomorrow? I mean, outside of a possible uh, Nesta Silvera flip, any surprises are you expecting out there and what, that Florida fans are expecting? in this class. Yeah, you know, I think the big surprise kind of came out this afternoon when we all kind of learned that Malik Langham out of Huntsville, Alabama, is the guy that uh, is a strong possibility now for Florida. You know, heading into uh, the weekend, it seemed like he was all beheaded Alabama. Uh, and now mm-hmm. it kind of looks like that he's he's looking hard at Florida. Uh, the, the one thing that is going to be tricky is down the stretch, his mom doesn't like to travel. Uh, he's afraid of flying and uh, doesn't mm-hmm. doesn't like them long trips. So, uh, you know, I, again, Malik probably goes to bed tonight thinking, Florida, does he wake up in the morning and have to tell mom again, hey, I'm going to, you know, live eight hours away from you, and, and is that okay? I think that's, that's my biggest question mark, you know, is how that will go to play tomorrow morning with distance. Um, but, again, I think right now that, that seems like the guy that's going to surprise a lot of people if he decides to leave one of the in-state schools of Auburn and Alabama and head to Florida. That would just – that would just shock me personally just because of how locked into Alabama he was just two weeks ago. Um, well, listen, is, is it me or does it seem like more than in recent history, Alabama's getting beat for, for kids? I mean, they lost a kid to an Ivy school. Uh, and I'm just hearing a little bit left and right, kids are either flipping or, you know, Alabama's deep all in on a kid and they can't get him. Am I, am I reading that wrong or is it, is that how this thing's going? No, I mean, you, you kind of look at it and, you know, you look at – we just talked about Nick Petit and, you know, Alabama was one of his finalists and it looks like he's going to go elsewhere. You know, they just lose J.J. Peterson uh, earlier in the process uh, at the Army game to Tennessee. Uh, looks like Quay Walker could be headed elsewhere again. That was one of their big linebacker uh, commits. And, uh, again, Jeremy Pruitt or maybe even Kirby Smart uh, takes him away from Alabama. It definitely seems like, you know, Alabama's getting beat a lot more. Florida has the potential on tomorrow to beat Alabama head-to-head for Jacob Copeland, um, a receiver that they were, you know, pretty close with and thought they had locked in for a while after he decommitted. So I agree with you, Chad. I think that it's uh, maybe losing a little bit of those assistant guy, assistant coaches that were big-time recruiters is maybe stopping them a little bit. But let's, let's just be honest with each other. Uh, that machine up there is still rolling pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. Andrew Spivey from Gator Country joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So let's sum up. Um, in your opinion, how well has uh, Dan Mullen done here with this initial class? Obviously a little handcuffed coming in late, but how do you feel about it? How do you think 
Florida fans feel about the job he's done on the recruiting trail? You know, I think they, fans in general will feel pretty good about the job he did simply because of what they were able to do at the early signing period and flipping Emory Jones from Ohio State. You know, that was the biggest gripe under Coach Mack was never able to land that big quarterback that everyone wanted, uh, mm-hmm. and that was something they got in Emory Jones. And then you look at, you know, stealing Trey Dean away from the likes of Alabama and Tennessee, uh, and then he was able to go out and land Justin Watkins, who fans really, really liked just Jim McElwain didn't really pursue. And then just to be in the conversation for two five-stars in Nick and NASA mm-hmm. is something uh, they weren't very accustomed to with Jim McElwain. But, um, and now my opinion is I, I think they've done a good job. Uh, I think they've done a good job for a transition class. Um, obviously, there's some spots I'm sure they would have liked to have done better at, uh, particularly the linebacker spot and, and maybe defensive mm-hmm. back a little bit. Um, but mm-hmm. overall, you got a quarterback, and you signed some of the top in-state linemen, and that was the biggest key that I think they needed. And hold on to Richard Garrard, because that's such a huge win. And then if they're able to get Copeland, that's just a win. I personally think this is a, a much better uh, top-to-bottom recruiting staff now uh, that Dan Mullins assembled. Well, you did mention him. Um, he's one of the more entertaining follows on Twitter, um, full of drama, um, talks a lot, very active on Twitter, and I'm talking about one Jacob Copeland. Um, and he's uh, certainly built up the drama to the best of his ability uh, or to the best that social media can allow him to do. So ultimately, what do you think Jacob Copeland does tomorrow? And what times he announced, by the way? He announces at 2 o'clock on ESPN and uh, 2, 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock uh, um, local time for him in Pensacola. Um, you know, I, I think it's ultimately Florida. Um, that's the school that, you know, he's liked a lot uh, throughout the process, even since he decommitted. And, and he's very close to Billy Gonzalez. And that that's it's kind of crazy how that relationship went. But he had a good relationship with Billy um, at Mississippi State. But he was pretty straight up and honest with Billy. Mississippi State wasn't a big enough school for him. Uh, but once he got to Florida, it was kind of, okay, now I can possibly play for Billy Gonzalez. And, and Gonzalez has done a good job of really showing Jacob how he could fit into their offense. And that's something that, uh, like you said, Copeland likes the attention and he likes to feel loved. And that's exactly what Florida's done with him, made him so like the guy in this uh, process. It would be a shock to me if he didn't go to Florida. Right now, I would say 70-30 Florida. Right now, of course, never can rule out Alabama, but uh, I just feel like him being the guy at Florida is something he wants to be. Yeah, well, he certainly made uh, everyone feel um, that they have a chance. He's done he's done very well at that, at least what I've seen out on social media. So he's played that card quite well, about as good as anyone that I've seen out there. So uh, what's – I don't want to use the term steal, but who's the most underrated guy – that you think in this class uh, is coming in is going to surprise Florida fans? Uh, I'm going I'm to go Trey Dean, uh, the defensive back that's already on campus. And, you know, <laughs> I, I was a guy that kind of went to the Under Armour game uh, expecting Dean to be pretty good, maybe not as good as he was. Um, I definitely didn't think he could play corner as well as he did in the game. Uh, he mm-hmm. went out and played corner against some of the top guys like Jacob Copeland and did well. I, I personally think that at the end of the day, we're going to talk about Trey Dean being the steal. Um, and if not if not Dean, I'm going to go with one of your guys, uh, Chad, and, and Andrew Chatfield. I, I don't think he gets enough love at that outside linebacker position. So uh, Dean or Chatfield would be my uh, my two, and I think all fans will, will hope that Emory Jones was still in the class. Yeah, um, what do you? Let's talk about Emory Jones. Um, the quarterback position at the University of Florida has been the biggest 
um, thing talked about, not always for the greatest reasons, mostly for the wrong reasons over the last few years. So what's the hope you think with the staff? I know what the fans hope for. Are they expecting? Is that what they want? They want Emory Jones taking that first snap 2018 season opener, or is it going to have to be someone else and Emory Jones just comes along? I, I think that they're going into this spring ball with uh, the hopes that he can at least, you know, be competition for Felipe Franks. Um, you know, every, everything Emory was told from the start was, hey, we're going to give you the opportunity to come in and compete. And, you know, Chad, I, I think we can both agree here, and that is I don't think anybody can go into spring ball thinking they have the job locked up, including Felipe Franks, just simply because of the year he had uh, under the coaching staff. You know, mm-hmm. me personally, I think it's tough for a freshman quarterback to play. Um, but I, I do. I think Mullen goes into spring ball saying, let the best man win. If that's Emory Jones, we're going to roll Emory Jones out to play. I, I think that he has a long way to go simply from a mechanic standpoint. Um, he does let the ball sell a little bit. He does, you know, throw a 100-mile-an-hour fastball when it should be a 50-mile-an-hour fastball on the on a pitch route or, you know, on a little curl route. So I think he has a long way to go. Uh, I'm like you. I'm just not sold enough on anybody on campus to completely rule out Emory Jones from playing next year. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now, well, um, and Andrew Spivey joins us here from – uh, Gator country, talking Gators recruiting, uh, definitely a big day for not only Florida, but everyone else around the country. So um, we've got a good class coming in at the University of Florida. And, you know, I know there's a lot of expectations here, especially offensively. Is there a guy that Florida missed out on this cycle that um, is troubling to you that you would have really liked to have? What's, who's that guy you wish they would have been able to, to grab in this class? Uh, you know, I, I think you have to you have to look at Nick Petit Faree if, if he doesn't go to Florida, just because that was a, another tackle that they needed, and you know Florida doesn't have very much depth at tackle. You know, last year at times, you know they were they were rotating guys in that should never play at Florida at tackle. Uh, so I, I would have to say it's Nick, just from the standpoint of them needing uh, guys at the tackle spot. Uh, and if it's not Nick, it would have to be William Barnes, the other offensive lineman that looks to be headed to North Carolina uh, tomorrow. One of those guys, just because of, of the offensive line needing so much help. Uh, you know, if it wasn't the quarterback play last year, it was the offensive line play that struggled. So one of those two guys would be the biggest miss. And, you know, and I, I won't say it's, it's the staff's fault. I mean, they, they came in late. They tried to make up the uh, the ground as much as they could, and they just weren't. But if I have to say a miss, it's one of those two guys. Yeah, and, you know, we you, you mentioned some of the different position groups where you thought, you know, uh, it would have been nice to have do, you know, done some – more in those positions, uh, like defensive back um, and, and perhaps defensive line. How do you feel overall about the offensive line, though, heading into the season? Uh, you know, I, I feel better. Um, you know, when you when you look back at what Florida brought in, you know, last year, and then you look at they have Gene Delance, who, who came in from Texas, transferred in, you know, in the fall of last year. So uh, he, he was able to redshirt last year as his transfer year. And then they brought in Noah Banks, the JUCO offensive lineman. So I think those two guys should, you know, provide some help on the offensive line. Um, you know, Ford is obviously going to have to look at the tackle spot. You know, does a guy like Juwan Taylor play tackle in Dan Mullen's offense? I, I think we would all agree that probably not. He probably slides in 
inside. So you're looking at a tackle, and that should be Gene from uh, from out in Texas who transferred in. And then you look at the, the center spot in that right guard spot. You know, both of those spots struggled last year. You know, I, I do think that you have some guys that can play there, especially with Martez Ivy coming back, that it should be a better position. Um, mm-hmm. And the biggest thing that I think Florida is going to do, not only from a player's wise, but the strength conditioning uh, is going to be the biggest thing for Florida. Those guys worked tough last year, and you went into games where you were out tough, you were out physical, and, and that's just not winning football in the SEC. Yeah, no doubt about it. Definitely, the, um, if not the most, one of the most physical conferences in the country. So you better be in that weight room in the off season, and it seems that is what uh, the you know. University of Florida has been up to. Uh, I, I'm uh, obviously finding that out firsthand uh, from Marco. Loves the, the way things are going there in terms of strength and conditioning. All right, well, listen, uh, let all the Florida fans that are listening right now know how they are uh, going to be able to follow Florida Gators recruiting tomorrow on Gator Country. Yeah, just GatorCountry.com or, or myself on Twitter at Andrew Spivey GC on Twitter or at Gator Country on Twitter. Uh, one of those will uh, will get you to our uh, access for tomorrow. We'll have chat and everything going uh, starting up at about 7 o'clock in the morning. All right, looking forward to it. Big day for Florida and everyone else around the country. National Signing Day. Hey, I'm looking forward to it. Andrew Spivey, thanks for joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Absolutely, Chad. Have a good night. All right. Well, that's it for uh, our talk here with the University of Florida. We've got Bud Elliott coming up next from SB Nation, Tomahawk Nation. We're going to talk a little bit more and deeper and in-depth with uh, what's going on in Tallahassee with Willie Taggart and his initial class uh, at Florida State. But some interesting things talked about there uh, with Andrew Spivey about the Florida Gators would have liked to have had Richard Petit and uh, and some others on that offensive line. Um one of the big things to draw out of this is that uh, Spivey himself feels that uh, Silvera, Nesta Silvera, will indeed stay with the University of Miami. So despite all of the talk of him flipping to Florida, um, Spivey feels that he will ultimately stay with the University of Miami as where he is currently a commit in this 2018 class for Florida. I know there was a lot of talk um, earlier today uh, about not only the University of Florida coaches, but Coaches from a rival uh, program in the in the SEC feeling pretty strong that uh, Silvera was going to flip to Florida, but uh, Spivey, who uh, does a lot of work in this area, feels that uh, Silvera will indeed stay with Miami. All right, time to talk some Florida State recruiting and what Willie Taggart has been up to and what he may have up his sleeve come uh, – Wednesday National Signing Day, and we're going to do that with Bud Elliott from Tomahawk Nation. Bud, how you doing? Chad, doing well. How you been? Good, good, good. Now, listen, when I introduce you now, is that SB Nation? Is it Tomahawk Nation? What, Man, what, do you, what, what are we introducing you as these days? Sure. So I, I'm our national guy for SB Nation, so I, I do that mostly. But I still have a hand in Tomahawk. You know, if I get good intel, you know, I pass it along. Uh, David Visser runs the site on a day-to-day basis now, but – um, you know, I, I'm still pretty in tune with it. Good, good, good. Well, um, all right. So I could I could drop both of those on you when I introduce you. I see a man of many hats. <laughs> no doubt. Well, hey, you, yeah. you wear both. You know, for, former NFL player, high school coach. You know. 
Yeah, I got a lot of hats going on. I get confused sometimes out here, and I guess that comes with age, but also a whole bunch of hats too. I just got an interesting question because we're also doing this on Facebook Live, and it, um, you know, this comes at a very good time. So to answer Amo Calamino's question, who's out of Pennsylvania, he asked, how does uh, Nick Saban convince so many good players to wait their turn? Seems like he's a master at that, and it's interesting that you uh, asked that question, Amo, because – uh, Bud has written a very good article on that, and you can find it right now on SB Nation. Tell us exactly, Bud, where we could find that. He did an article exactly on that topic. Sure, yeah. So we were looking at, okay, how do they just stack like these super elite classes on top of each other? And mm. you can go on SB Nation and read it, but, but the general gist is they basically convince kids that if you go to this school, the level of competition is so great that it, it's going to you know, kind of iron sharpens iron. And that the level of coaching is so great. You know, look at all the guys we put in the NFL, all that type type of stuff. Now, there's some some truth to that. And then, of course, there's some you know some kids who probably shouldn't go to those schools. Some kids mm-hmm. who you know maybe need more time to develop. And uh, you know, if, if you're a kid that's on a longer developmental track, you may not like getting recruited over. <laughs> you know, like will probably certainly happen in the next year. So, you know, finding the right fit is really the key. But that's that's kind of how they do it. And we explain it in a little more detail on SBNation.com. Yeah, Emil, I would advise you to go in there and, and check out that article written by Bud, very well written, uh, and a very interesting topic, too, as well. People would love to know. I know people have uh, asked under their breath or even out loud, how is he just stacking these guys on top of each other when it seems most of these kids coming out these days um, want to start and play as freshmen and be out of there in three years. So kudos to Nick for getting that done. But let's talk about um, what's going on for Florida State? I heard this late today, but I don't know what you've heard on it, if you can confirm anything. Jamarcus Chapman, who some have said was a silent commit to Miami over the weekend, um, is is now headed to Florida State. What have you heard about that? So that's interesting that, that he was a silent to Miami because uh, I'm hearing that, that multiple staffs uh, may have, have felt really good following their visits uh, with, 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 with Jamarcus Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we know, look, some, some kids get caught up in the moment at, at a lot of their different stops, and uh, they're, the key word there is kids. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, we, we shouldn't be blasting players for this kind of stuff. Um, but I I got to tell you, like Florida State's confident, but it would still surprise me because Miami has so much playing time to offer at that position. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you're going to go in there. This is the main reason why I don't think Nest is going to flip because he's going to go in there and he's going to be – what, one of their top four DTs the, the moment he steps on campus? Yeah. Chapman at Miami, um, I think, would play very quickly. Well, okay, yeah, but that might harken back to what we talked about. Maybe for some kids it's just not that, and maybe it's something else. But, you know, I don't, I don't know what you've heard. Um, that's what I'm hearing, that the kid's heading to Florida State. Things can change overnight. We both know that, but we're not rookies at this thing. But uh, that's just what I heard today. Uh, we'll find out how true that is. They, they had several silent commits over the last two weeks uh, in Tallahassee who I expected by now to call my sources and say, hey, look, I, I got caught up in the moment. I'm not coming. Mm-hmm. As of now, no calls. Yeah. So, I so mean, I, that could set I, up a big-time close. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, you did say um, kids and flipping. Well, you know, just to go off topic here real quick, we have an adult flipping back and forth. Um, just getting news that Josh McDaniels, who I guess was official to the Colts earlier today, has now decided he's not going. This guy can't make up his mind. I don't know what's going on. 
I don't know what's going I l- on. I look there. forward to all the all the people bashing him like uh, like, like they bash kids on Twitter. <laughs> oh, no doubt they'll be throwing they'll be throwing Twitter tomatoes at this guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna suspect um, that something big's happening there, and the about face at this eleventh hour probably means Bill Belichick has coached his last game um, in in New England. Let's get back to Florida State and their recruiting. What's the must get for Florida State tomorrow? That's gonna make everyone feel warm and fuzzy about Florida State. Uh, recruiting post Jimbo Fisher in a disaster that was 2017 season. You know, I, I, I think it's receiver. Now they, they want to sign both Jordan Young and Treshawn Harrison. And if I had to mm-hmm. bet, I, I think they will. But at the very least, they, they have to sign one of these kids. Uh, Willie mm-hmm. Taggart made no secret of it that that Treshawn was his number one kid by mm-hmm. far. Now, look, if you're if you're a coach in Florida, you're like, wow, really? But if you put on his film, he really does. He beats these kids in Seattle like you would expect a kid like, like from Florida to go up there and do. Like, it, it really is very impressive. Right. He, he, he smokes them. Um, and, and there are some good players up there. There's just not that many. But he was the first offer Willie Taggart gave out when he got to Tallahassee. First mm-hmm. one. I think, he sent him, I think he sent a message with that offer. Jordan Young. Yeah, it'd be nice for him really to hit good. on that. Yes, at 100%. Uh, they, got, they got mom down for the visit over the weekend. Uh, I feel like it was very important to sell her. Uh, on sending her son 3,000 miles away, certainly. That, that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, um, sure. But, uh, but I think receivers are real key because they, they, their depth there is just not very good. And, and they need to close there, and they have a lot of early playing time to offer, particularly when you're switching to a system that's going to use more three and four wide sets as opposed to two and three. So if they can get either Harrison or Young, or preferably both, obviously, for them, um, then, then that would be a, a pretty nice close for those guys. If they don't get what they want there, um, any chance they would go the junior college route? Because they do have a need there. I, I don't think that they would go JUCO because they, they already have three, right? Like if, I feel like the, the kids who they might have extended offers to, they've already done so. They, they, they took Keyshawn Helton. They like him as a slot. He's Derek Brooks' nephew, which isn't the reason you offer a kid, but it's not a bad like tie-breaking scenario. It also <laughs> you know, sure. helps you stay – yeah, you know, it, it helps you stay good in, in West Florida. They, they've not signed a lot of kids uh, mm-hmm. from west of Tallahassee recently. They got they got Warren Thompson out of Armwood. Um, they, they also have uh, Demarcus Adams at out of Daytona. So mm-hmm. I, I think they're just looking to finish with four and five. But if they if, if for some reason they did miss on both, and I don't think they will, I don't think they would they would extend an offer out. Yeah, um, and 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 you know most times. Um, schools like this don't really head that junior college route unless it's a serious emergency. So maybe it's not that bad. Florida State right now in terms of team ranking, uh, not in a place we've seen them and we're not used to seeing them. Um, Certainly have not been there in recent history, 14 or 15, depending on which um, recruiting site you're on. What do you think? Where do you think they end up tomorrow? But give give me your best guess on where you think they end up. I, I think we'll see them at, at probably 12. Um, they, they think they're going to close well. But the thing is, they're not taking, they're not taking a class of 24, 25, 26 kids. I mm-hmm. think that the absolute most they could take is 23. I think a realistic number is probably 20 or 21. And so it's, it's hard to get inside the top 10 on, on the final rankings if you're only taking 20, 21 kids. Usually you've got to take 24, 25 uh, to get up in there which I, I think is smart because we know that first classes, the classes that are built when you only have eight to ten weeks to, to assemble them, 
Those kids bust at a, at a phenomenal rate. And I think the reason is because you don't have time to form these, these same relationships with them like you would with kids through the whole cycle. And so I think they've done a good job of not trying to go overboard offering kind of plan B and plan C kids. You know, you know what I mean? They did it maybe here, sure. maybe there, once or twice just to feel depth. But I don't think they're taking just to take. Yeah, and that's I would agree. Um, listen, I've seen a couple of coaching changes up close. Um, and that's usually a good strategy because I agree exactly with what you're saying. You're just grabbing guys just to grab guys and fill it up. Um, and it's almost like going to the grocery when you're hungry. You're going you're gonna to get a bunch of stuff you don't really want. You shouldn't be eating. So um, I would definitely agree with that strategy. Reading the tea leaves. And, and, and one thing about SB Nation and Tomahawk Nation is you guys have a pretty good feel on how the fans, the pulse of the fans, how are they feeling about – um, the recruiting class for Willie Taggart. Of course, they shouldn't expect much, but how do they feel? You know, I, I think because of the positive momentum, they feel really good. When Jimbo left, they were 64th. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, you know, to go from 64th yeah, that's, to that's way uh, 14th down or 15th now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, one of the more important recruiting jobs that I think, you know, I don't know how, how much the fans appreciate this, but they should, was keeping certain guys who were committed but wavering in the fold. You know, you're not going to get extra points for, for keeping Robert Cooper in the fold. But if he's not in that class, that's a big hole. You know, Asante Samuel Jr. is a really good football player. They kept him, and they got him to sign early. Same, same thing with, with, uh, with A.J. Litton and a number of other guys who, you know, might have been wavering a little bit. Um, getting Locking down those guys was, was really key. And I feel like it's – I think the fans are, are, are generally pretty excited. Um, most of them probably think the class is a little bit better than it is, but I, I think it's, it's still a good class. Yeah, and of course, always with these things, you know, time will tell, so we'll just have to see, you know, how this whole thing ends up. Speaking of Jimbo Fisher, he's out there in Texas A&M, but I haven't heard much about the Aggies recruiting class. How's it going out there for the $75 million man? All right, so far it's not going good, but but I do have to say – if you're one of these FSU fans on Twitter laughing about A&M's recruiting, I would stop. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to close fairly well on tomorrow. And they're already right. making serious inroads in the state in 2019. Think about who's on that staff, right? Like, it was time for Jimbo to leave Tallahassee. I don't think he was going to be able to turn it around. Things have just gotten really, really bad. And a fresh start yeah. is sometimes needed. It doesn't mean the guy can't coach anymore. And you've got him, Tim Brewster, and Damian Craig on the same staff. You yeah, tell me you're if gonna, gonna you're kids gonna kids. get guys. You're gonna yeah, get huh? yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, it, exactly. Uh, yeah, and, and well, you know, fans are gonna glow for coach. now, though. Yeah, they're definitely gonna glow. Oh, for, for now. sure. They're I think they kids. know what they're, you they're, just they're, said, though. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. no doubt. Like, like these are the guys that a year ago you were like, oh, best recruiter in the nation type thing. There's no doubt the logo on the shirt matters a whole lot. But who's who's sending the message? It also matters. I think that, that they'll close up, you know, decently tomorrow, and I think they'll have a pretty big 2019. As far as on-the-field stuff, we'll see. Yeah, definitely we'll see. All right, well, listen, bud, man, I've chewed up enough of your time. I know you're going to be super busy tomorrow. Tell the folks listening right now how they can uh, follow all of the National Signing Day action on SB Nation. Sure, so just go to SB Nation and click on the recruiting tab. We're going to have a fun, uh, like, live blog running all day. We know you all probably have your favorite site for – you know, for, for your team, whether it's Alligator Army or Tomahawk or State of the U. But if you want to take a little little more broader perspective, 
come check out the live blog. We'll be like, hey, this kid just went here. We'll connect some dominoes. That means this kid's probably going to flip here. You know, put, putting things together, showing you the big picture from the national scene. Yeah, excellent. Uh, so you guys are going to have a puzzle being put together there tomorrow. That's interesting. That's a little bit different. Um, so, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to be checking that out. So, as always, bud, I appreciate you coming on and talking Florida State football here with us. All right, Jeff. Have a good one. All right. That's Bud Elliott from SB Nation, TomahawkNation.com, joining us here on the Gridiron Studs show. So, um, I, I guess fans are – I guess the word to be used in Tallahassee um, is satisfied. No one's overwhelmed. No one's super happy. Obviously, Taggart came in late. Um, and so there's only but so much that you can do, um, you know, when you come in that late. So, you know, long-term, Willie Taggart has shown himself to be a pretty good recruiter. So I wouldn't have any doubts about what he's going to do down there in the future. Um, it's just going to be interesting to see what he's able to pull together and piece together as a class. But things, the uh, Florida State's going to end up around 12 somewhere. That's his prediction for things. And, you know, what, all things considered, that wouldn't be – a bad deal. All right, we're going to step away from um, the actual program recruiting talk and just talk about uh, one of the favorite places in all the world for any school to come pick up recruits, and that is South Florida. And when I'm talking South Florida recruiting and football, um, who else and who better to talk to than the godfather himself? I hope he doesn't mind me calling them that. Larry Bluestein joins me here on the Gridiron Stud Show. How you doing, Larry? I'm doing good. Good for a godfather. <laughs> good for a godfather. I appreciate that. Well, listen, man, um, I dare ask what what number recruiting class this is that you have followed. Um, one day i got to really have you come on and do a whole history on this thing. But, yeah, uh, wow. Here, here we are once again. Um, right off the bat, there are a number of talented kids, obviously, in this class. We could say that just about any class. Um, in South Florida, but I'm looking at the names, Sertan, Campbell, Cook, Pope, Blades, Samuel. Where does this stack up um, over the last 10 years? Where would you put this class um, compared to some of the others? From the defensive back standpoint, uh, probably one of the tops ever. I mean, you mm-hmm. look at it. I mean, you, have we ever had six two, six two corners before that were so elite, oh. one, two, in a lot of circles? Yeah. and uh, Sure. And you have you have kids uh, at St. Thomas like Asante who you know I mean had an opportunity a couple years uh, to watch him in youth football and and watched him ever since and he's never lost what what Deion Sanders said what he has that a lot of people don't have is he has the dog in him and he says you may be and I still remember last year he says you're five foot nothing but you got dog in you like I've never seen and that's probably. Mm-hmm probably a trademark down here i think if it's not receivers one year it's corners this next this next cycle is gonna the 2019 cycle is gonna probably three out of the first six kids are receivers um mm-hmm. but it happens it and uh but i to answer your question probably one of the best from the defensive standpoint uh at least defensive back standpoint because you have two pure corners that in any other day would be safeties back in the 70s 80s 90s you have a 6-2 kid and He's playing linebacker safety, and that's where we've evolved. It's changed so much in recruiting to the point where, you know, I mean, I think what uh, with the Pat uh, Petersons and the big corners making a splash in the NFL kind of trickled down, and it's found its way to high school. And, uh, 
you know, kids now are, you know, they, and, and you know that firsthand. I mean, kids aren't all of a sudden, hey, you're bigger than most. You're going to play safety if you have decent hips and you can cover and you've got great skills like your son has and, and, and other kids who are that size. Uh, you know what? They should be looked at 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 that position, and that's where we've evolved to. And um, and certainly you know that as well as any being a defensive back and having an opportunity to work with a lot of these kids in this class. Yeah, no, definitely um, a ton of talent at that position, and uh, especially on, on the edges, um, wide receiver, defensive back. I mean, skill position, that's what the schools come yeah. down here. One area, though, um, where we've not really made um, – much strides in it, you know, this class and, and as, as much as I thought we would is that quarterback, uh, you know, I'm going Matt. through your list right now. I can't <laughs> find one. Um, no. What's going on there? Well, it's going to be the same for 19 too. I mean, it's just, we don't have that. We don't have the guy. I and mean, I, I mean, have we really had very many? Uh, we've just never been a quarter because we're such an athletic area. And I think, the coaches down here when you get a kid i mean if lamar jackson maybe played at miami central he may have played wide receiver you know what i'm saying because they i mean there's like a disregard for the quarterback position it's just you know it's not like it is in california and some of the other areas why do we need those guys right just direct exactly it's just (laughs) it's just such oh you can throw the ball five yards okay you're in there and and yeah. you know you look and, and and you have kids who really have trained hard. Now I'm not taking anything away from Chad. I mean, it's just. But the whole thing is when you live in such an athletic area, you mm-hmm. want that kid who could. You know, you want to to at well. I don't care if he's five six and 145 pounds. You want him because he moves the chains. He's a winner. He distributes the ball. And uh, you see, that's the difference between high-level football in Florida and high-level football in California. I mean, if you're not six four and two twenty in California, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. you're six four two twenty here. They're finding a place for you at tight end. You know, I yeah, mean, no it, 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 and that's just the way it is. I mean, the, the game is faster on the overall down here, so you want your athletes in key positions. And listen, I don't, I, I'm never going to say anything negative about it because. For the forty plus years I've done this, that's been the that's been the story. I mean, you could probably on two hands uh, tell everybody who the best quarterbacks were over time, the Rohan Davies and and guys like that. But the, you know what? You try to do that with receivers or defensive backs, and you're going to need several digits. And we're yeah. just not a quarterback. We're, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, we we've uh, we you'd need a cheat sheet for for all of the other positions, but um, we yeah. just don't in this class. And like you said, 2019 is not looking all that great either. I will say this about the 2018 class in South Florida, um, and you'd be here to let me know for sure on this. This has to be probably the fastest class. I mean, when you think about the two top guys that you have on the list, um, and Anthony Schwartz, the fastest guy in the country, might even be uh, a national record holder in the 100 meters. Oh, yeah, and Shivers and Horn and guys like that are all – It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This This is an exceptionally quick class. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. It's as fast as he come. I mean, I didn't even mention Thornton. Uh, we got a bunch of guys running under yeah. 10 seven. So yeah, um, I'll yeah amazing. And but you know what? I see that in 2020 a little bit. There's a couple of kids in that 2020 class that has that blazing, that national type of speed. And we'll see if they stick to football. You know, they're young kids that that have the speed. But uh, you know, you look at Schwartz; he he stuck to football. Uh, Artie Burns stuck to football. You know, when they were because you got to remember these kids were were first known for their track 
you know, prowess, you know, Artie and, and, and Schwartz and guys like that, Horn, because of the fact that uh, that's what they did best early. But uh, you know what? They found that they could parlay the both into football, and they've done it, you know. And that's why you say, that's why you come out with this type of, uh, you know, like the statement that you said is so true, I don't ever remember you know, a, a class like this. And, you know, Sean Shivers, I mean, he's not slow. I mean, so, you know, you, yeah, you have no an doubt. opportunity. Yeah, this is a – but uh, you know what? It's it's probably going to happen again. This is one place where you say to yourself, you know, oh, we'll never see that again. Yeah, you will. Yeah, you will. You'll see a lot of this stuff again because there's so much. Well, these so guys set a bar, and, and, you know, we're so, we're so uh, competitive down here in South Florida that someone will go chasing those records and probably come up with a bunch of fast guys. So with no all doubt. this talent down here um, and the, the good season the University of Miami had back in double-digit win territory, how's Mark Rick doing in South Florida, in your opinion? Very good. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's going back to the day, and you remember, you can't get everybody. Marvin Jones, Steve Hutchinson, they left. Danny Cannell, all these guys, they left. I mean, that's just the way of the world. But what they're doing is they're trying to get key positions, uh, but using the South Florida. And, and the one thing, too, Chad, that was great is seeing the coaches the last two years during the spring. Mm-hmm. See, because that was non-existent. You know, I mean, Al tried. You know, you mm-hmm. know, you sent D'Onofrio here, you sent this guy here. Yeah, you know, it right. wasn't an impact. It, it almost seemed, truthfully, that they were doing you a favor by showing up. And, and oh, you know yeah. what? I mean, it's just the way it is. And But this regime is a whole lot different. I saw Coach Cool and Coach Banda spend the entire jamboree of Champagnat, Miami High, and Keysgate Charter. Entire jamboree there. Uh, obviously, they were coveting Russo, who they have on campus now, but still he's showing up and staying the entire jamboree. I, I, that would have never happened before. I mean, and, and that's just – I think what Mark Rick did is is he understood that we have to get back the fan support and, and, and the trust in South Florida before we get it from anywhere else, and that's what they've done. They Their coaches have been everywhere. They're um, – you know, the, the relationships are crazy good. You know, the hiring of guys like David Cooney and people like that has really mm-hmm. taken the gap and closed it between the coaches and uh, college and the high school coaches. So, yeah, it's, he's done a tremendous job. It reflects in this class, and I think it's going to reflect in the next class as well. Uh, I know Miami is a fans especially because they've been so starved for a team that you know they could put their chest out and walk away from. It's still a couple years off. I, they 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 have a couple more recruiting classes to 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 be where the Clemson's and Alabama. Not to say that they couldn't upset them, but that's what sure. it would be right now. Yeah, well, let's, up- let's talking about the fans though, uh, Larry. I um, mean, you know, the expectations are always high, uh, always usually too high, and not just Miami fans, fans in general. Everywhere. But- yeah, but down here, um, you talk to some fans, and they want the glory days of 2001. They want um, they want Clinton Portis backing up, uh, you know, Willis McGahee, and then Frank Gore <laughs> backing up Clinton Portis. That's what they want, um, and that those kind of days are gone. It kind of explain yeah. to people why those days are gone um, for well, the University of Miami. A lot of other options. I mean, you just mentioned, I mean, in, in old days, they uh, could have nailed down a, a, a kid like um, James Cook. 
And uh, mm-hmm. but James had an option; he could go to Georgia and play in the SEC, and that's what it is. It, they, these kids had the options in the past, but not like now. I mean, there's because of the advent, I guess everything revolves around what happens on social media. But then it spins mm-hmm. off, and you have seven on sevens, you have events where these kids are seeing everybody throughout the entire year. So nobody's a surprise anymore. It's just you're not a surprise anymore. So the recruiting becomes more, uh, you know, more rabid because. Now, in June, uh, somebody could pick up a phone, they're at UCF or USF watching a 7-on-7 and call a coach up at, uh, you know, in Michigan and say, hey, coach, there's this kid. You know, when have they ever been able to do that? Not when you were playing. You didn't have that type oh, of, uh, you know, that type of canvas. And uh, But that's what it's evolved to. So it, more so, you have to fight the fight. 365 days a year you just you know when you springs over it used to be springs over and you know and then you could relax if you were a college coach figure and i got joe you know he's going to come back in august and we'll get him but now they go to so many events at so many colleges that yeah, all of you a can't sudden tuck anyone away you can't hide anyone there's no more tucking no. a santana moss away anywhere um he's no. going to be found out or he'll get himself exposed out there and people We'll, uh, we'll see him. So that's been the big change. Well, there's so many great names as I go through this list. But, Larry, you've uh, seen as many of these kids as anyone, uh, probably more than anyone else. What's the, what's the best guy in this 2018 class that's not going big time? Who? Wow. Most of them are. I, you know what? I, I mean, there's a, there's a kid that's played four years. Uh, as a varsity starter, first at Northwestern in the last three years at Booker T. Washington. And I've never seen, and I've seen a lot of games, I've never seen a kid who turned out to be such a great teammate and such a, you know, an asset, and that's Jaquan Beaver. And I'm really kind of really surprised that somebody like USF, UCF, you know, somebody like that wouldn't have just said, hey, you know, because this is a kid who wins. He's shown it. Um, so I would think he's really really a kid that could have, you know, maybe not big time, but, but bigger time than, you know, than most people are pegging him at. And uh, you've seen him, you played against him, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Absolutely. this is a kid who, who just, you know, an exceptional football player and a, an intelligent kid that gets it done in the classroom, too. Yeah, um, and, and some of those are head-scratcher. Listen, I had one um, at, at American Heritage this year. Um, it's a kid I've known since Little League, and that's Dylan Lester. Now, fortunately, yeah. he's He's committed to UCF, and, you know, that came in kind of late. I was just scratching my head as to why there weren't a whole lot more schools on him. Um, great pedigree, great athlete, good kid. Um, but, you know, that happens down here in South Florida. You can kind of fall through the cracks, and that's the tough part on this thing. It, it, you're 100% right. And, you know, he, he kind of went proverbially from the frying pan to the fire. He went from Flanagan where there were some really good kids to Heritage where there were some really, really good kids. So even though he was a quality player, and, and you know, it's sort of like Cameron Giles. I mean, until the stat line is in, you don't realize what a, an effective kid he is. I mean, he's in on, on as many plays. And that's the same thing with Dylan. Every time you look at the ball, you see his number right around it. And uh, I don't think – I just think in this case he was kind of like – they were – people were blinded by the fact of Pat and and, and uh, everybody else in that secondary, and he wasn't getting the ink. And uh, I think he's going to emerge at the college level and be really, really good. Yeah, and speaking of Pat and the other guys at American Heritage, I might as well 
um, put you <laughs> put you in the sweepstakes as well. Um, this is like you know everyone trying to pick who was going to win this Super Bowl. What are your thoughts? Where do you think Pat Sertan, Tyson Campbell are going to go? Um, just from what I've heard, and I haven't really talked to either of them. I just I watch what they do, and they're they're doing mm-hmm. everything the right way. And like you said before, this is like Fort Knox. I mean, you know, no one yeah. <laughs> no one knows. And if you don't, and or if you haven't spilled it, uh, and <laughs> it you're, feels you're funny for me to on, ask other people, but you never know. Someone might have heard something I didn't. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just, I figured because of the ties that he's had, you know, to the school in the area, I thought Pat would end up at LSU. Uh, because of friendship and people that he met, I thought that maybe Tyson would go to Georgia and Chatfield would go to Florida. And I don't know about Nesta. You know, Nesta Silvera is a, a good kid, but a strange kid. And you never know what's in that mind. But uh, certainly I had a chance. I went out to the uh, to San Antonio and watched him against a lot of the kids, and I was impressed. I mean, you know, I really watched him in the past, but I probably was more impressed because I know the quality he was going up against. So, sure. yeah, that uh, if, if Miami comes away with him, they, you know, they and they'll get a couple of other kids, the out-of-state kids, and, and I know they are in a battle with Florida State for one. But I think if they get him, you know what, Miami fans, you know, you've got to learn. You can't get everybody. You know what, if right. you don't get Pat Sertan, which is probably not going to happen, I just don't, mm-hmm. you know, it could, but I don't see it happening. Uh, yeah. But you you move on with what you got, because what you got between December 20th and 23rd, you got six kids class. on campus right great now. Class. A great class. I mean, you know what, again, and then the 19 class is starting to set up pretty good, and, and you know, you got the, the W's got to come. And that's the whole thing. And they have really no depth at a lot of positions. And that's what these dra- that's what these recruiting uh, classes have been uh, to, to stockpile defensive backs. See, and they can't feel sorry because defensive linemen are a commodity a lot of people don't have. I mean, you know, you, you, they have them, but they don't have those marquee kids. But the ones that are right now that kind of corner that market are the Clemsons, the Georgias, the Alabamas, the LSUs. See, and Miami's got to get kind of get you know into that line. You know they've got to get into that line. There's got to be more than Nesta Silvera. There's got to be two or three of them coming in, and um, and that's a position of need. And linebacker right now, they're looking as good as anybody in the country. They got kids who have played together now three years and doing it extremely well. And uh, and the secondary is going to be much better. Offensively, you still need the playmaker receiver. You don't have the guy. Barrios is gone. You got you got to have somebody to start stepping up. I know that that Richards is great and Cager is great, but let's see somebody step up. Somebody's got to be that number one guy, and uh, and they got to run the ball. And um, and and certainly uh, with with the with Walton, I mean, can't be upset. I think what Walton did is showed everybody before he got hurt how good he was. So it was unnecessary for him to come back yeah, because he I already never, showed. I, I never get upset with running backs leaving early. Yeah. I mean, it's a brutal and punishing position yeah. in the game. I, so if a, if a guy wants to, you know, decrease the mileage before he starts getting money for it, I'm never going to be angry. No, no, no. I agree with you. I mean, and, and the span is short anyway. So, you know, I don't, don't shorten it anymore, especially for a running back. But with, with Lorenzo Lingard coming in, and he's got to stay away from track, and that's a thing that kept him under 200 pounds which wasn't really good. But, you know, it happened to Jabal Sheard, too, and he's like 290 now. So, right. uh, but, uh, right. but it, 
that weight, the weight comes off when when you're in track, and and uh, mm. certainly now Lingard's out of that. He's going to get over 200 pounds. He's going to be great, uh, you know, as part of that. And then I and Cameron Cameron Davis and, and is going to have to jump in there. He's pound for pound as strong as you're going to find. He just needs to mm. learn how to explode, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Now you see he he, he dances too much, and you can't dance. Not in not where he not the league he's oh, going. Well, I'm so. I'm I'm sure um, a couple of days in practice. At the university. Yeah, Thomas Miami. Brown will have him. Uh, Coach Brown yeah. will have him doing pretty well. No, but yeah. but that's it. I just think that they've done extremely well and in, in filling those needs. It's going to be a process that's going to happen for the next couple of years. And um, and yeah, yeah, they're back in the, they're back in everybody's you know in their thoughts now. You know, you're you're actually thinking you know after watching them against Notre Dame and Virginia Tech and and games like that that they have you know, some of that nucleus to, to, to do what they have done in the past. And uh, you can't live in the past, so Miami needs to point towards a good future. And I think, like you said, uh, with coaching staff, uh, this is a great coaching staff as far as communication, teaching, uh, coaching. And uh, Rick is one of those guys, soothing, uh, you know, soothing personality that will get, get, get in your face a little bit. Yeah, and we'll just have to – they'll just have to keep building on that. Well, Larry, listen, 15 15- – uh, 20 minutes with you talking football in South Florida will never be justice, but that's uh, we're going to have to leave it at that, man. So, Larry, Thanks, I appreciate Dad. you coming on. I know you're going to have a busy day tomorrow. Yes. Uh, yes. And, um, again, it's it's yet another wild national signing day we're, we're headed for. Appreciate you coming yeah, on. Yeah, it is. Well, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, we're going to be on tomorrow uh, uh, with, at WQAM and during the day with Hawkman and Crowder and updating people early in the morning with Joe and then, uh, you know, we'll get some things in and, uh, you know, like I said, we, it's just like anticlimactic because we did this already, you know, we did this back in December, but, uh, I'm excited yeah. for the, for schools like Florida state and UCF that needed, uh, needed the extra time and Florida as well. Yeah. Um, I, well, I'm, listen, I'm going to, uh, be excited to see how this goes, but also um, keep a close eye on what the December signing day means for February. But again, Larry, thanks for joining us, man. And uh, I'll see you somewhere tomorrow. I'm pretty sure of it. Certainly. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate you. All right. Thank you very much. That is uh, legendary Larry Bluestein joining us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Man, that's the first hour in the books, man. Fast and furious um, for uh, some of you guys watching me here on Facebook Live or listening to me here wondering where um, the rest of the country is in terms of this recruiting talk. It's coming right up. Next coming up is Greg Biggins. Uh, 247 reporter for the West Coast. So have no fear. We're going to talk. Uh, we're going to talk some West Coast here. You know, listen, I, I finished my uh, college football. Uh, I started my college football career and finished high school football out there in the West Coast. So how could I how could I forget them? We already had uh, a full USC breakout discussion here uh, on Facebook Live. Don't think I didn't see that, Emil and Sean. All USC talk all the time right there on there. Well, this seems to be a good time for me to Break in and let you know this, Gridiron Studs app, parents and high school football players, are you guys on the Gridiron Studs app? Are you kids on the Gridiron Studs app? If not, man, shame on you. The Gridiron Studs recruiting app connects high school football players with college football coaches and fans from around the country. Get on the Gridiron Studs recruiting app and create a profile detailing your physical and academic achievements and put them on full display, not only for college coaches, but for fans as well. So start a fan base, keep them updated with your latest recruiting updates, over 100 college football coaches are using the Gridiron Studs app, and over 1,500 athletes are registered. So what are you waiting for? Download the Gridiron Studs app right now.
Create your very own profile because, you know, athletes are brands, too. So start building yourself a fan base. It's available both now in the App Store and the Google Play Store. So we didn't leave out you Android folks, uh, you green message people. You can get in on the Gridiron Studs app, too. So head over to the App Store, Google Play. Head over there right now. Search Gridiron Studs in both the App Store and Google Play Store. Download the Gridiron Studs app right now. If you are a recruit 2019 to 2022 and you're not on the app, Slap yourself and then head over there and download it right now. Okay, coming up next is going to be Greg Biggins. He is 247 reporter uh, for uh, out there in the West Coast. So we're going to talk a little bit of Pac-12. What's Chip Kelly doing? Is USC remaining, uh, keeping their lead out there? Um, what's Sumlin doing? And what about Herm Edwards? You know, they play to win the game. Is he playing to win the game in the recruiting uh, in the recruiting game out there, it's been a while since he's been involved in that. But, you know, we got a lot of great stuff out of uh, Larry Bluestein, as always. Um, Bluestein thinks that uh, Sertan's going to end up at LSU. He thinks uh, he thinks Campbell ends up at, at Georgia, um, but Miami has a real chance there. Uh, can't figure out Nesta Silvera. A lot of people can't. Um, I, I think a lot of people feel Andrew Chatfield's going to end up um, in Gainesville, but we're going to see coming up later on in the show. I'm going to have uh, my thoughts as to where I think the American Heritage Four are going. Um, they're only my thoughts. I know nothing definite. Um, if we know anything for sure about uh, the recruitment of these guys, is that they're very tight-lipped. There've been no leaks, so anyone telling you anything is pretty much just presenting some kind of theory, rumor. No one knows anything for sure. You know, great job by them keeping that whole thing tight-lipped. Um, it's been fun watching that, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Seeing how that unfolds tomorrow, we're expecting a jam-packed auditorium at American Heritage tomorrow for that announcement, which comes at 10 a.m. Uh, for anyone interested in that, I think they're going to be um, airing it on ESPN just in case they're not. And even if they are, I'm going to be broadcasting live, Instagram live, from the auditorium at American Heritage tomorrow. So follow me on Instagram at Gridiron Studs. Going to be broadcasting live from uh, American Heritage, where um, the Big Four are going to be making their announcement, along with several others who are going to be announcing on uh, on tomorrow. So again, it, at Gridiron Studs on Instagram, going to be uh, coming live from American Heritage tomorrow. All right, time to talk some West Coast. Folks are tired of me talking about Florida, so I've got Greg, Greg Biggins on to back me up with a little West Coast action here on the uh, National Signing Day Eve show. Greg, uh, they're tired of hearing me. Let me just get Biggins on. Biggins, they're tired of hearing me, man, talking about uh, West Coast, uh, I mean, South Florida football down here, so help me out. What's going on out west? Dude, South Florida football is where it's at, isn't it? I'm trying to tell these people, but they don't want to hear it. Did I just say that? Did I say that out loud? You did, man. You might lose your pass. Yeah, I know. I know. I got to keep it real, though. No, actually, a lot going on. Um, You know, even though the early signing period kind of took away a big chunk of guys, there's still, I would say, a pretty large handful of elite players out west that are going to be announcing tomorrow. Looking like USC might have a big day. But, uh, you know, Tanner McKee's making his decision. Probably the top uncommitted quarterback on the board. You have Elijah Griffin, Isaac Taylor Stewart, a couple of, you know, really good cover corners out here. Merlin Robertson, Solomon Tulia-Pupu, linebackers. So, yeah, kind of a lot of, a lot of buzz, a lot of action out here right now. 
Yeah, um, and, and, you know, I, I, I do want to start off with that question because you brought it up. What kind of effect do you think the December signing day has had on this, on, on this first Wednesday in February? And what do, you, what do you just look into the future? Do you think it's going to dampen this February uh, National Signing Day going forward? I do. I do, actually. And, you know, I was way off on my numbers. I actually thought, you know, about 50%, maybe 55% of the committed players would actually go ahead and sign. And I don't ever give advice to, to kids or parents when it comes to picking a school, but I was saying I don't get the upside in a, in a kid signing for the simple fact of, you know, all these coaching decisions typically take place between December and February. You, you know, do you really want to lock your spot in at a, at a school and have a, you know, a coaching change? Um, and then if you're, you know, maybe more of a, a mid-level kid, it seems like a lot of times that's when these, these big power five offers come around is December, February. You know, why not just wait and kind of see, you know, what else is out there, but, 80% of the committed guys went ahead and signed. And I think a lot of schools, I don't think we're expecting that. I think a few schools, I'll, I'll, you know, I think USC for, for one, I think a lot of schools thought there'd be a lot of players available for them to kind of go out and poach. So they purposely kind of didn't sign a huge class. And then when they saw how many players signed, it kind of left them in a, in a little, you know, kind of a weird spot. So I think moving forward, I think you're going to see a lot of, schools actually push to have the majority of their classes done in December so they can just kind of just relax and there's always going to be players that want to wait and and take their visits in January but you know it it was weird you know the timing of the early signing period I kind of thought maybe having it at the end of the summer as opposed to having Mm -hmm. it just seven weeks before February might have might have been a better fit but you know overall I was a little surprised at how many classes actually filled up with most of their recruits and like I said moving forward I I think we'll see that happen in February is almost is going to become kind of non-existent yeah i was uh, i was surprised as well to see um some some programs sign 18 um as 20 22 guys um but you know what i come to find out talking to the coaches is that they really just wanted to sew these guys up and get them in the barn so to speak as quick as possible and i think that's just going to be the trend they're going to try and take care of this and um find out exactly what they have sooner rather than later yeah, I mean, if you're a school and a kid is committed but doesn't want to sign, I mean, that's obviously a major red flag right there, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. what we saw out here was there were a few programs. You know, Fresno State cut loose about three or four kids who didn't want to sign, and their feeling was, if you're not ready to sign with us, then you're not really committed to us. So it's either yeah, I've seen that down start, here as well. Gonna, yeah, and it makes sense to them, right? I mean, so I kind of saw both sides. If I'm a player or, you know, or a kid – I'm nervous to sign because, again, what if there's a coaching change? You know, what if something yeah. happens? But if I'm, the, if I'm the school, heck, yeah, I'm pushing for him to sign because if he's not going to sign with me, then he's basically saying, hey, coach, I'm looking for something better. That, that's the message that he's given me, right? I'm not 100% committed to you. I want to see if something better comes along. So I kind of see it working both sides. But um, it was interesting. You know, the first time kind of seeing it, how it all played out, it was kind of fascinating for me. And, I, I was, like I said, moving forward, I think there will be a lot of changes next year and even the year after yeah going to be interesting to see how that goes so um let's talk about usc because there have been a number of things that have gone on in in the pac-12 obviously washington is doing quite well um and and usc has not um been in the whole championship sweepstakes um over the last few years so is, are, is anyone moving in on their territory is it still usc and everyone else when it comes to recruiting out on the west coast yeah, I mean, Washington is having a really good class. Uh, they actually flipped a player from USC last night, a big nose guard from mm. De La Salle up in Northern California, uh, Tule 
I was kind of practicing, practicing this name, Latuli Gasanoa. I think I kind of probably killed that name, but I did, I did my best. I think you might, you might have done a good job. Who would know? Other That's than the, the best kid. I got. That's the best. Yeah. If I just say it real, real fast. So that was a big flip for them, and, and they were able to beat out USC head-to-head for a couple of key players. Brendan Caho, who right now number one linebacker uh, for 24-7 sports. Julius Urban, big-time DB locally, Southern California kid, a USC mm-hmm. badly wanted. Alabama came in late on him. He ended up choosing U-Dub. So Washington's having a really, really good class, but you know, end of the day, I think USC will probably still finish number one. There's about five key players that are going to announce tomorrow. I really think USC's got a great chance to land all five. It's amazing how well they always seem to close. It's almost like they're asking these kids to kind of, you know, do the whole Florida State thing back in the day when, you know, that was the rumor that Bobby Bowden asked his top guys to wait until signing day, signing day so we can have a big signing day splash. But yeah, all those kids got in, all those guys named earlier. Elijah Griffin. They kind of kind of made that a US, trademark. I would agree with you. They yeah, close, they close yeah, pretty good so. every every year. Uh, yeah, I mean, you get the ESPN talking about you. Everyone talks about you. You get all that buzz right on signing day. So, but of, of those five guys, I mentioned Elijah Griffin, Isaac Taylor Stewart, Solomon Tuliapupu, Devin Williams, a receiver, and Michael Ezekiel, a receiver, kind of tight end. They're in the top two for each of them, and and probably lead, I would say, for all five of them right now too. So it's, it's not a lock. By any stretch, I think Griffin loves Bama. That, I would not be shocked if that happened. Ezekiel looking at Oregon and also UCLA and Devin Williams looking at Oregon as well. But I think they have a great chance to go five for five, and that would probably push them up to a top five class and number one in the Pac-12 again. Well, one quarter of the Pac-12 uh, coaching staffs are brand new, but the biggest name of all is Chip Kelly right there in Los Angeles at UCLA. What kind of job is he doing there? Now, you're talking to someone who's a closet UCLA fan um, growing <laughs> up, and I always wondered why in the heck couldn't they get dominant defensive linemen. I know he's a guy who's all about offense. Have they made any moves there in, that, in terms of that position? And just overall, how's Chip Kelly going on the recruiting trail at UCLA? He's doing good. It's, um, it's, it's, it's very unique to kind of watch him operate. He's, he's – I don't know how to describe him, but I kind of had this impression, I think a lot of people did, that, you know, he's a big name, right? After probably Saban and Urban Meyer, Chip Kelly probably has the most, you know, and, but maybe some of those most name recognition out there. Dabo Sweeney, mm-hmm. obviously throw him in there. But I thought he'd come in and, and steal all these five stars and start flipping guys from this school and that school, but that, that didn't really happen. The, the, the staff mm-hmm. kind of came in a little bit late. There was already established relationships otherwhere. So he didn't really come in and make this huge impact in terms of just getting all these big-name guys. But what he did was he's such a great evaluator. He never got enough credit, I think, at Oregon for being this, this really keen evaluator. And mm-hmm. he was getting guys kind of under the radar, maybe getting a guy from another part of the country, a couple of JUCO players. And then once you saw, you know, okay, you saw he's going on this guy, you know, kind of watch the film, you go, that's, this guy's actually really, really good. And he's got a system, mm-hmm. he's got a scheme for both sides of the ball. And he got guys that fit that system really, really well. So maybe if he goes to this player, player A goes to this school, it's just like, okay, that's just an okay fit. But at UCLA, when you kind of see what they want to do offensively and then defensively kind of move into a 3-4, these guys actually fit really, really good. It's like a giant puzzle. And – so he really impressed me with his ability to just kind of evaluate and go get those guys strategically. And I think 2019, you'll see them probably have a, a higher rated class. But in terms of getting guys that fit, I think he finished really well. It's going to probably end up a top 20 class, I think, which you know obviously isn't bad for kind of getting a late start this year. Yeah, and it's not like UCLA 
um, gets top 10 classes. That's just never really been the history for them. So I guess um, USC fans should be a little scared listening to, listening to what you're saying there. You know, it's funny. I know Bruce Feldman did an article on, on that exact thing, same thing, and message boards were all upset. Now we're at USC. We're not scared of Chip. We're not scared of anything. It's, it's still UCLA. And, you know, it, it's kind of been one of, those de- one of those deals where UCLA has always had talent. You know, they've always been able to recruit really well. They've always mm-hmm. had guys. They just – the talent never really was developed that well, even though they've always been one of the better schools at getting guys in the NFL. It's, it's, you always mm-hmm. kind of watch them. They kind of just, you just kind of feel like, God, they should be able to do so much more with what they have. I think with right. Chip, what, what, what he does is I, I mentioned evaluate. He's also phenomenal when it comes to developing that talent. And his staff is probably their best staff in terms of the coaches that he brought in are actual, you know, really good football coaches, not just guys that go out and recruit. So I, I think right now, you know, UCLA, I don't know if USC is going to be scared of anybody, but I think UCLA definitely is going to be a, a lot more competitive than they have been in the past with Chip and the staff and how well they can evaluate and develop that talent. Yeah, well, at least pay a little bit more attention maybe than they have in the past. Well, listen, Chip Kelly's not the only one. Um, and, again, Greg Biggins joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show talking recruiting out west. Um, we've got Sumlin. We've got Edwards. We've got Smith. Who's doing the best job out of the rest of those guys? You know, ironically, they're going to probably finish, you know, probably towards the bottom. But I, I kind of like Jonathan Smith at Oregon State. They're kind of on a nice little run here in the last couple of weeks, landing some, some pretty key pieces. A, ASU, I, I think they're set up to close pretty well. Um, you know, the Herm Edwards hire was a little bit head-scratching, I think, for a lot of people. But, you know, I, I think one thing about him is, is I think he will definitely impress parents and kids as a, as a closer in the home and even on the official visits. I mean, he's – Every time he talks, it's like a motivational speech, right? So I think that kind of tells sure. sell if you're talking to a, a parent or a family. So right now, ASU is kind of toward the bottom, but I think they're set up tomorrow. Guys like you know Merlin Robertson, four-star linebacker, Shari Crosswell, uh, defensive end Jermaine Lole, who just offered by Tennessee last night. Um, I think they're going to land all three of those guys, which is going to kind of move them up. And then, you know, Arizona – you know, Kevin Sumlin is a guy that I actually liked for ASU. And that job opened up. I said I think Kevin Sumlin would be a great hire. You know, they, they kind of passed yeah, on him. Yeah, I said the same her, thing. But, I thought that's what was going to happen. But, you know, leave it to Arizona State to hit the end run on us. Yeah, I mean, look, it sounded like they wanted, you know, a head coach who was committed to keeping the current OC and the DC, which is what Herm did. And then the OC and the DC both left. So <laughs> the strategy kind of backfired. So, so much bit. for that. But so much for that. But I think someone's going to be good. I mean, I, I like him. I think he's going to be really good. And again, it pains me to say, but. You know, people who want to say, oh, he didn't win big in the SEC. Again, as a West Coast homer, the SEC is stronger than the Pac-12. So I think he's going to have a lot more success in Arizona and in the Pac-12 than he did going against, you know, LSU and Bama and Auburn and Florida and some of those monsters. So I think Kevin's going to be good. Um, he brought in a really good staff. And, you know, I don't know if he'll show up this year. You know, I think they're still going to probably finish toward the bottom of the Pac-12. But I think next year and the year after, I think he's going to end up being a really good recruiter and his staff. You know, they got some guys – that, uh, that I think can really recruit. Demetrius Martin was always one of the, the better recruiters out here from UCLA. Now he's the DB coach over at Arizona. So I would say Arizona, watch out for them in the coming years. Hey, um, just to step a little bit off of the college football recruiting and get on to another issue that we've obviously been dealing with down here in South Florida. And it looks to me like it's starting to grow uh, into a small fire out in Southern California. And that is, uh, the transfers 
through, you know, from high school to high school, modern day seems to be benefiting really big from that. Talk a little bit about that and guys like Bryce Young going to modern day and, and what's going on in South Southern California from that standpoint. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not a level playing field. I was talking to multiple high school coaches today, and they're just kind of lamenting that there's just – we can't compete. There's just no way we can compete right now with what modern day. And, and to a lesser degree, St. John Bosco, those are the two dominant programs out here. And I mean, modern day, we knew they wouldn't take a step down. We thought they'd still be good, but maybe not as good. But when you look at what, mm-hmm. they, what they're bringing in, and you mentioned Bryce Young, who's you know probably one of the top three or four – uh, sophomore quarterbacks in the national class, he's going to step in and, and take over for JT Daniels, who graduated early. Uh, they went and got a, you know, two of the top players from Rancho Cucamonga, who are both in the top 100 nationally, probably Jeremiah Cradell, a DB, Sean Dollars, a running back. They got mm-hmm. the top lineman from Sarah. Sarah's not used to losing kids. They're usually bringing in kids. That's, I mean, they got exactly. great traditions. That's Marquise Lee. That's Dory Jackson. That's Robert Woods. Sarah's now losing kids to modern day. So it, it's crazy. Um, it is, but, you know, I, I don't know what they can do about it. You know, CIF recently stepped in and, and said that they're, they kind of rewrote some of the language where nowadays you can actually transfer for athletic reasons. Before, you used to be able to have to, you know, kind of make up something. And now if you move into the district, you can transfer at will. And you can come out and say, yes, this is for athletic purposes. I want to go play for modern day. You never used to be able to do that anymore. So now as long as you move, you can play from week one. No sit-out period. Uh, if you don't move, you sit out the first five games. But, you know, I think people are, are, are kind of catching on that. I can go to modern-day Bosco or some of these schools and, and play and compete. And it's like free agency. It, it really is. It's, it's wild out here. Uh, yeah, I think we're literally looking at the wild, wild west, and California is probably going to end up equaling or, or rivaling uh, what we've got going on in South Florida, because you listen, I know parents out West are super, super savvy. So uh, that's going to be interesting to watch. We're going to have to leave there, uh, Greg, man. I really appreciate you coming on and uh, talking West coast recruiting with us. Tell everyone uh, how we can follow the uh, West coast action on national signing day tomorrow. Yeah. Me, me on Twitter, me on Twitter. That's kind of like second grade language right there. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just at, at Greg Benton. And then obviously working with 24 seven sports, just kind of keep it there all day long. It should be a fun day. Yeah, um, no doubt. Um, obviously, we're going to have a lot of fun down here. Number one and number two corner in the country have kept everyone in uh, great suspense. So it'll start there and um, continue all the way out west. Another fun national signing day, Greg. Thanks for coming on and talking with us. Yes, sir. Thanks, Chad. Anytime, Chad. You got it. All right. Um, sliding straight from the west coast and into the Midwest, one of my favorite, if not the favorite person on uh, in the recruiting circles is Bill Bill Bank Green, Bill Money Green. What's the what's the latest? You're a man of many nicknames. What's the one you like the most, Bill Green? <laughs> well, most of them are not to be used uh, around <laughs> children. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, you know, the bank is kind of uh, you know I hated it when people first started saying it, and then it kind of grows on you after a while. So you know, I kind of kind of go with that one, my man. Ask you how you got that name, so. Um, you know, it we'll... was, uh, no, you know, it's kind of funny. It was actually when I first, before I ever got into the business as like a writer, I was just a, like a message board poster, you know, just a lot of the, you know, and, um, 
I always would just, I never had one of those silly little nicknames that people use. I always went by my own name, which, you know, now it's like no one would ever do that now. And people always just said, man, when this guy says something, you take it to the bank, you know, and it just stuck, you know. And so, okay, you know, I, I kind of innocent enough. Oh, I like it. <laughs> yeah. You use what you got to use. Right. Yeah. No, no doubt about it. Um, let's get into this recruiting thing. The biggest thing in your area, um, you know, this year, year before, and probably for years to come is Ohio State versus Michigan, Urban Meyer versus Jim Harbaugh. Although if you sit here and you look at the recruiting rankings, there's not much of a fight at all. Um, 247, your website, has uh, Michigan at 17, Urban Meyer's at number one. That's a big space between those two. Why does that exist? Help us out. Why is it so far apart? You know, Michigan was doing really well. Um, they got off to a great start in this class, but they didn't do well on the field this year. They've had some staff turnover. They've had some decommitments. They finished second on a lot of good kids, and it, it has kind of gone sideways for them. You know, that bowl game was a killer. Losing, you know, losing the way they did to Mississippi State. I mean, it just—it's it, just a downward trend they're in right now, on the field, off the field, and um, he's got to get it turned around. I mean, because yeah, no, if, no if question. The way Bill. things are now, I mean, it's really not Ohio State and Michigan anymore. It's Ohio State and Penn State right now. Penn State. Yeah, and I'm gonna get to I'm gonna get to Penn State yeah. in a minute, but okay. I mean, a couple of okay. years ago. Uh, Harbaugh was was climbing trees and sleeping in people's bedrooms. You would have thought there'd been some residual off of that, but no. No, I mean, in, in the first couple of years were really good, you know, but mm. this year they took a real step back. He's having a lot of trouble at the quarterback spot. You know, he's having to fill in with these grad transfers, and he's going to try to do it again next year if he can get Shea Patterson eligible. They just haven't had good success at the quarterback spot. And this year, boy, things just – things really went sideways for them this year on the field. I think they ended up 8-5, and five, and that's just not what people expected coming off his first two years where they were really good. Yeah. Um, he's got to get it, that turned around. You know, he's got to get that yeah, turned around on the field, off the field, and, and got to get that staff solidified. Yeah, no doubt. You know, Michigan fans, as we, as we saw with Brady Hope, uh, can turn on you fast, even though I know he's uh, – a bit of a golden child. He does have a, a brand new big contract that, you know, draws a lot of attention, but uh, Ohio state, let's talk about them in South Florida. And the reason I'm bringing that up is um, you had Torrance Gibson there. He's no longer there. Trayvon Grimes. He's no longer there. Um, you know, you, you've had, you struck out with those two there. Has it soured them at all? Or um, are, are pickups like the Bosa brothers and Johnny Dixon enough and, and, and Benjamin Victor enough for them to say, hey, you know, we're still in it in South Florida? What are they doing down here? No, they're still in the, in the Florida, but I think, I think they did get a little, a little shaken by South Florida. You know, they got Tyreek Johnson uh, signed out of Jacksonville, uh, Seven Banks out of Orlando, Tehran Vincent out of IMG. So they're still recruiting Florida. You know, Brian mm-hmm. Sneed out of Armwood. They're still recruiting Florida, but I think they did get stung a little bit in South Florida. So they might be stepping a little lightly there right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a feeling uh, that that was the case. Um, you know, you can't exit Florida. 
Um, but they, yeah, yeah, I think that's no. – you used the right word there. They're stepping a little lightly down here in South Florida, probably going to vet uh, people a little bit stronger. But you know what? There's some circumstances that come up, and so you just kind of have to deal with them the way that they are. But let's talk about Penn State. Is there enough respect uh, for what Penn State is doing um, on the recruiting trail, uh, you know, as well as on the field up there in the Midwest? Well, yeah, there is because – if you look at the last two meetings on the field, Penn State beat Ohio State two years ago. And this year, Ohio State had to have a furious miracle comeback to beat Penn State. And that game was in Columbus. I mean, if, if you replay that fourth quarter ten times, Penn State would win that game nine out of ten. It was a miracle Ohio State beat them. So these teams are even on the field. And then when you look at the recruiting, they've been able to go toe-to-toe with Ohio State James Franklin looks Urban Meyer in the eye, and they fight over kids. And it's a, these are battles, you know. Ohio State out-recruited him for defensive end Tyreek Smith. Penn State ends up getting Jason Owe. Right now, they're in a battle for a four-star offensive tackle out of Maryland. Rashid Walker is going to sign tomorrow. I think Penn State's going to win that one over Ohio State. So, James Franklin on the field, on the recruiting trail. He can look Urban Meyer in the eye and say, Let, you know, let's go. Where – Harbaugh has not been able to do that on the field or in recruiting. Who has uh, outside of outside of uh, Franklin and you know obviously every year Urban Meyer? Who else is impressing you on the recruiting trail out of the Big Ten right now? You know, I really like what Maryland's doing, and it's going to you know it sounds funny to say that that DJ Durkin can recruit, and no that's doubt. not a program you. You can't re- rebuild that program in one or two years. So it's, they have to give him five years, let him go, let him get his guys in there. He's doing a great job. And I'll tell you, Scott Frost, who's been at Nebraska, what, three hours now, and he's, he's making waves. People are taking notice. Watch Scott Frost tomorrow. They're gonna, they've got 19 guys signed right now. They might sign seven or eight tomorrow and shoot way up the rankings. So he's a guy that's going to be reckoned with in the future as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I always have to be – I don't know why, Bill, call me old school. I always have to be reminded that Nebraska is in the Big Ten. Um, but yeah. there they are, and Scott Frost is, is doing an outstanding job. Um, you know, I was we were talking about this earlier, uh, I believe, with Rob Cassidy, um, how they are kind of cutting into what Louisville used to be able to do down here in South Florida – and obviously Scott Frost doing so well at UCF um, made some Florida ties, and he's using them out there in Nebraska. He hasn't cast those aside. No, he's done a great job. And I think just the whole way he handled from UCF to Nebraska, those things don't always work out real clean. You know, the Jimbo Fisher to A&M was very clumsy and awkward. A lot of these are. That one was so smooth and done so well that I think people really, really respected Scott Frost for how he coached that team in the bowl game and just the way he handled himself. I mean, I was impressed by what I saw, and I think people across the country were too. This guy's going to be a threat in the Big Ten. Now, I've got to be honest, uh, Bill. I, 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 I kind of okay. questioned him staying on um, and coaching UCF when he was officially the coach at Nebraska, especially with a, an early signing day. Um, I was one of the folks that questioned it, and you know what? I'm not afraid to say uh, that I was wrong. He handled that absolutely the right way. 
And, and I think that's going to benefit him when he goes into people's homes. You know, he, he didn't come across as a carpetbagger going for the money. He came across as somebody going home. Nebraska's his school. That's where he played. So he handled it really well. And if that's the time, and I don't know Scott Frost, but just the impression I got from how he handled that situation and everything he's done at Nebraska, I mean, I don't know if he can get him back to the Tom Osborne days, but he's going to make them better than what they have been the past three or four years. Um, what he's done on the field speaks for itself, but this recruiting, he's going to do well there. Yeah, um, and, and listen, he's going to be a force. It would be nice to see Nebraska, um, you know, doing doing something um, – more than what they've been able to do. I'm listen. I'm obviously old school. Where Nebraska was one of the big names in college football. I'd like to see them be a force, and uh, especially on that side of the Big Ten, it'd be nice to see someone making noise over there. So um, I'm interested in seeing that happen. I think I might have lost Bill. Bill, you still there? Oh no, no, I'm here. I'm still here. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I just want to see that. You know, the Big Ten has added some pretty good coaches over the past few years, and Scott Frost is yet another one. It only helps the conference and, you know, the uh, the idea of the conference and, and everything else. So good hire there, and let's see what he does on the trail. Bill, man, I appreciate you coming on. Tell us how uh, we can keep up with not only Ohio State and uh, Michigan and Penn State tomorrow, but the entire Big Ten and Midwest um, with 247 Sports. Yeah, we'll be all over it tomorrow at twenty four seven sports, and I'm on Twitter at Bill Bank Green, and uh, you know we got you covered. I mean, tomorrow's a big day, and you know you kind of thought with the early signing period that you know tomorrow would be kind of a dud, but it's not. You know, and even with the smaller pool of kids out there, um, the attention is still great. There's still going to be some shockers tomorrow, and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, you know what? Give me one. Give me one big shocker before you leave. Um, what's the biggest uh, announcement you you guys up that way are, are are looking to? Well, I think Nicholas Pettit Ferrer, you know, signing with Ohio State tomorrow, which I think is going to happen. I think that is just going to send some shock waves um, because Ohio State kind of got beat up in the early period. They mm-hmm. did not sign. They got beat up. They lost Emory Jones. They lost Jack Carmen. They lost Brenton Cox. They lost Jaden Woodbay. And you're thinking, hey, maybe the old boy's losing his touch. But uh, Urban Meyer is coming back with a vengeance here. And signing Nicholas Pettit Ferrer is, is going to send shockwaves around the country. And then, then i got to wait and see if uh, what happens out of American Heritage. I'm, I'm anxious to see what that great cornerback's going to do, Patrick Sertain. Yeah, you and uh, everyone else down here. That's um, it's it's been one of the most tight-lipped um, recruitments I think I've ever witnessed. So kudos to them. But uh, we're gonna get our answer here. In uh, I don't even want to count the time, but tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. <laughs> have that soon. A- coming soon. Yeah, coming very very soon. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you coming on with us, Bill, and uh, talking Midwest recruiting on the Gridiron Stud Show. All right, Chad, anytime, man. Have a great one. All right, you too. That's Bill Bank Green, everybody, uh, from 247 Sports, talking um, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, all that good Big Ten recruiting here on the Gridiron Stud Show. So, all right. Uh, you know, a lot of people have been waiting for this moment and want to want to talk about uh, this one coming up, and uh, we're definitely going to be doing that uh, with our next guy, 
Is this Andrew? I'm not sure if I got it. Ivan's yawned. Yeah, I'm here. All right. Andrew Ivan's joins us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. Listen, they only want to use you for your information on <laughs> the American Heritage guys. Uh, you've been uh, you've been close to the situation, I guess. If I could even use that word, I don't even know what that means when it comes to uh, Patrick Sertan and Tyson Campbell and Nesta Silvera and Andrew Chatfield. But lo and behold, um, you're kind of the go-to guy in the recruiting circles for this. So what can you shed? What kind of light can you shed on this for us? <laughs> well, I think uh, I was talking to someone earlier today, and the way they put it the best. I mean, this is, this is like old school recruiting. I mean, this is like pre Twitter, um, you know, back in the nineties when no one really knew what was going to happen on signing day. And I kind of asked that person, like, well, how are they doing it? And, and they just said, I mean, these heritage guys have done a great job of just not really saying much. I mean, I think every time I, I went and interviewed them, I mean, I just came away and I'm like, I don't really have an answer to where any of these guys are going. And then, we talked to these people in the in the network. They're like, oh, I hear this, I hear that. I'm like, well, I went and talked to the kid after the game face-to-face, and I, I'm not getting that vibe. So um, I'm glad it's Yeah, a lot of this, a lot of what you uh, answer here, Andrew, is going to be about, you know, vibe. You know, I'm, I'm also going to throw my two cents in there, uh, you know, at, when, when we get to the end of the show as to where I think they're going. But um, like you, it's just going to be off of a feel, uh, what I happen to know about the guys and, um, just the feel that I get, because I don't know anything for sure. Um, you don't either, and no, no one else really does outside of those households. Um, so let's let's just start with this. Three of the four, uh, Silvera, Campbell, and Sertan, were at the University of Miami this weekend. What do you make of that trip? Uh, was it positive? Do you think it may have resulted in turning one or maybe more of those guys around? Give me your feel uh, of how that trip went. Well, I think I'll start off with like this. I mean, if you, if you told everyone six months ago, you're Miami and you're going to host, you know, I guess three of those four and, and those three, uh, four or five days before national signing day before anyone else and, and prevent it. So no, one else can go in home. I think anyone would take that scenario. I mean, that's, that's kind of the dream situation. Uh, you can't script it any better than that in terms of getting face to face with the guys. And I mean, you hear this and that. I mean, when do official visits not go well? I mean, you always hear that they go well. But I think the one guy it seems like it, it really kind of changed some things for, based off what I've heard, is, is Pat Sertain. I mean, throughout mm-hmm. the whole recruiting process, everyone's kind of pegged him as this lock to LSU. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, he, he's always shown up around Miami just kind of at different times. And, uh, I'll, you know, whether it was that Duke basketball game a couple weeks ago or – Nova Southeastern, I think he's really attracted to the idea of playing for a coach like Mark Rick in terms of, of the faith base, and he seems to do what he likes for his players. And I think the the idea of staying home is appealing. So I think that gave him a lot to think about uh, here kind of in the 11th hour. Yeah, no no doubt about that. Um, it, it, what you're saying about him having been around um, a lot of the events, um, and I'm sure that makes Miami fans happy. I don't know how much – you can pull from that, but um, it's a positive rather than a negative. And I will agree with uh, that last visit. Typically, it's important in the recruiting process, but um, the flip side is this has not been a normal process, um, you know, as it relates to these guys. You know, before I dive into them, I, I want to do want to talk about this one guy that was down there on the visit this weekend. And uh, I'm hearing late that he may be a Florida State Seminole. I'm talking about Jamarcus Chapman. I thought he was a silent to Miami. I'm hearing Florida State now. What, what have you heard? 
Oh, Jamarcus Chapman, man, that recruitment has been all over the place. Um, I remember back in the spring when he came down and, and visited Miami and he wanted to commit and then, you know, Miami wasn't ready for him to take him and then all of a sudden he's committed to LSU and then he's committed to Tennessee. I mean, it seems like uh, whoever is the last person to talk to this kid is the school that feels like they're getting him. Um, you know, I was pretty confident uh, Sunday and, and Monday that he was going to Miami. I think Miami was pretty confident as well, but uh looks like some family members are kind of pushing for him to, to stay closer to home. Obviously, Tallahassee is a lot closer mm-hmm. to, to central Georgia than Coral Gables. So uh, I know there's a lot of crystal balls and forecasts for him going to Florida State Port in here in the past couple of hours. But um, I think this one's going to go right down uh, up until, uh, you know, he makes his decision at 1130. I think Miami's going to work the phones hard here pretty at, at night. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think much changes. Miami needs defensive tackles. He knows he can play here. So, um, I, I think this one's legitimately 50-50, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, I, re- I really don't know, and I don't think a lot of people know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, let's So let's go through the American Heritage Four, as they've been, uh, as they've been termed. Um, starting with Andrew Chatfield, wh- what's your idea on that? It's pretty much uh, Miami and Florida. A lot of people thinking Florida. Do you agree with that? Um, do you have something different? I think it's definitely Florida. I think he's uh, a perfect fit for that defense. You know, I thought there was a time when it looked like maybe he was going to go to Miami, maybe uh, after he got that offer there in November and he, and he showed up for a couple of games. But it seems like uh, Florida kind of is where he wants to be. I mean, I, I talked to him last, you know, at American Heritage, and, and he said all the right things about Miami. But, it, I mean, I, I just – I think this one's all, all done to the Gators. Okay. Um, let's talk Nesta Silveri. He's been committed forever, but there's been drama um, over the last month, let's say. And uh, now folks aren't sure. Uh, you wake up one day, Miami's pretty sure he's going to stay with him. You go to sleep, you wake up the next day. Uh, the Florida staff feels pretty good that he's going to come. Um, and then I hear a rival SEC program feels that Florida has flipped Nesta Silvera. Um, give me give me what your tea leaves are reading on on. Number ninety nine. I mean, I, I to be honest, I, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, <laughs> you know, you, you, you know, it seems like Miami was so confident throughout much of the process that they were going to hold on to him, and it's, you know, we get mm-hmm. to this these final few days, and it's the confidence isn't there. I mean, I think Nesta personality wise, that he's a fit at Miami, and you know, uh, in mm-hmm. terms of being that that bully mentality and. I think he'd be really accepted in the locker room. And, um, you know, I just think it makes so much sense for him to stay, given the fact that he could play early. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like Florida's kind of always always looming to that picture. And I think he's really having to make a decision. I mean, I'm going to stick with my guns. I, I think he's probably going to – I think he's going to up at Miami, but I, I'm not confident anyway. I, I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, you know, I, I didn't anticipate uh, – kind of a couple of weeks ago that we'd be, you know, no one would know the night before, but I mean, he's done a good job, but not to anyone and, and really shutting out a lot of people down the stretch and, and kind of just doing this for himself. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got, I got the phone calls when, uh, he said, I'm not doing any interviews. And, uh, I got to the point where I said, I'm not doing any interviews either. My, I mean, I'm, I'm not Nesta Silvera. Um, if he doesn't want to talk to you guys, I don't have anything. Um, he's not, 
really I don't really go to him very often talking about recruiting. I know they've got to sort those things out in his head. But just the way that you said, uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I believe you. Um, you know, so you've got no idea. All right, let's talk about something easier. Pat and Tyson. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen there? <laughs> if one of these cornerbacks are going to the University of Miami, who does Andrew Ivins think that one's going to be? Oh, he thinks that 9 o'clock Eastern time on the night before signing day, I, I, I would say Miami has a better chance to get Pat than they do Tyson. I think I'm surprised. I'm honestly surprised I'm saying that, but really I'm not because I've always thought Miami kind of is in this. And, you know, I think a couple of weeks ago, someone had told me that they thought it was definitely trending in the right direction for Pat as opposed mm-hmm. to to Tyson. And, um, mm-hmm. I mean, who knows, man? I mean, I mean, crazy things have happened. You go back to the Tracy Howard recruitment, and everyone thought he right. was going somewhere else, and then all of a sudden they get him on campus late, and um, we'll see. I mean, I, I always go back to, you know, his parents visited games you know, when he wasn't there. I mean, I'm not saying he's a lock. I mean, I just think that who knows what could happen. I think Miami remains pretty optimistic. I, I know, I think, I believe our Clemson reporter said, uh, this morning that he had he had called and and informed Clemson that he wasn't coming, so he eliminated them. So Miami hasn't, mm. to my knowledge, hasn't got that call yet. So I mean that that has to be a positive. And I think LSU is concerned about Miami right now. So um, mm. you got to remain optimistic heading into into Wednesday. So if not Miami for Tyson Campbell, where do you think he ends up? Well, I think it's Georgia for sure. Well, but then uh, there's all this Alabama talk here and here late. In the, I mean. Yeah, I was going to say I, I, that to you. Um, the Crimson Tide could be in the mix here. Um, do you think they've got a shot? I, I think they did. Uh, the other thing I think that, that that kind of hurt, and, you know, when I spoke with Tyson last week, I, I tried to ask him about this, and he didn't want to do any part of an interview. But I thought Derek mm-hmm. Ansley had done a real good job of, of kind of recruiting him and, and, and his parents. And I thought when he left for the Raiders, that could maybe have an impact on the decision. I still think it might. I mean, I'm just kind of guessing with that. I mean, I asked him about it. He said he didn't know. Um, but I, I think that uh, could, could play a factor in, in the decision here in terms of Alabama. But Alabama yeah, is interesting that you said that, Andrew, because I, I believe that as well. Um, Alabama, you know, um, Ainsley heading out and, and taking the job, taking the NFL job, I thought – uh, might have affected things, um, especially with Tyson. So uh, I would agree with you on that. But I don't think a lot of people have talked about that. I mean, I mean, I remember playoff games when Ansley was sitting in the stands with his parents, and for that guy to be so close in the process, and then all of a sudden he's not there. I just, I think it's hard to overlook that, especially on the flip side when you have a Mike Rump at at Miami or or, or someone like that that he's known for a long time. So I mean. These kids all say the right things. Hey, you don't commit to a school for a coach, but I. I... Yeah. Um, what's the What's the biggest surprise um, you think tomorrow for the University of Miami? And just that in in general, or or, or what? Um, in in general, um, what, what do you think is the biggest surprise for them outside, of course, of the heritage situation? Because they're you know knee deep in that, and we've talked about it. We'll probably beat that. Uh, that horse as much as we can. Outside of that, what's 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 the biggest storyline, let's say, for the University of Miami tomorrow? I think the biggest storyline, and you know, this is this is a negative storyline, but I think it's the truth. I mean, I think what they've done on the defensive line this cycle, regardless of even what happens with Nesta Silvera, I think mm-hmm. it's disappointing for for them to 
have the season they had where they climbed so high up in the polls where, you know, for a couple of weeks there, all you did on ESPN was turn it on and you saw them talking about the turnover chain. I mean, they had all this mm-hmm. momentum. And for them to go out and – I mean, it's basically a flop on the defensive line. I mean, they targeted Dennis Briggs, the kid out of Kissimmee Gateway. Um, you know, they got him on campus a bunch. They felt good with him. But they're losing him to, to rival Florida State, who has new coaching staff and, and won six or seven games. I mean, that should just be, in my eyes, unacceptable. And um, mm-hmm. I think they overlooked some, some local D linemen early, and, and I don't think they really anticipated how the early signing period would play out in terms of just kind of cutting all these guys. I mean, you took half the board or even more of that and took them out of play, and I think they, they misjudged that. And I just think they could have got some, some more dudes on that defensive line than, than what they're going to end up with. And I think um, it's hard to look past that, especially especially after they lost the guys to the NFL and just the needs they have there uh, at defensive tackle. Yeah, um, I you know maybe there were some some uh, unexpected move outs there from from the defensive line uh, to the NFL that maybe caught them by surprise, maybe caught some recruits by surprise. So yeah, uh, that's going to be a, a development to watch. They're going to have to fill those gaps somehow. Um, some guys are going to have to step up. Wonder if they'll uh, head to the junior college ranks if they need to to, to you know fill um, some of the missing pieces in there. But hey, listen, with anything else. Uh, and with everything else, the University of Miami is in the middle of uh, some of the biggest storylines tomorrow, especially with uh, the American Heritage Four. Man, I appreciate oh. you coming on. You're you're uh, you're no longer a virgin to the uh, Gridiron Studs National <laughs> Signing Day Eve show. So I, I hope to have you on back again. Awesome, I appreciate it. All right, thank you very much. That's Andrew Ivins from Two Four Seven Sports. Coming on and talking, uh, listen, primarily the American Heritage situation, the American Heritage for and a little bit of University of Miami recruiting. Um, listen, I can't have one of these National Signing Day shows without having this, my, my last guest on. Um, and uh, we all know this guy, Woody Womack. Woody, thanks for joining us here on the show. We all, you almost didn't make it. Boy, that was close. I mean, I know. Ivan's has been camped out in the parking lot over there at American Heritage for the last four days. I hope you guys at least brought him out some school lunch or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, camp, camped out or not, man, nobody knows anything, you know. I, no, I coach please. these guys. I think, you, I think you know. I think you're holding out on us, Chad. Man, it'd be nice to know. Look, if I really knew, I'd, there's probably a sports book offering odds on this thing. It's so talked about, but – um, I'm not going to hit you over the head with that. Let's talk about some other things. One of the surprises for me in looking at uh, this recruiting cycle, 2018, is that um, Georgia is number one. Bama's number nine, uh, according to the rankings on you guys' site, if I'm correct, and about you guys' site being rivals. You guys have Georgia at one. Bama is at nine. So why is Kirby winning like that? What he, what's he doing well, I mean, you know, I think they've got seven five-stars committed, and uh, I think we're projecting them to get uh, the aforementioned Tyson Campbell, which would give them eight. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's that, that would be tied for the best ever in the rivals there with, with uh, I think, the USC class of 07. Uh, and we remember how USC was winning at that time in terms of how they were recruiting. So I, I think it all came together in perfect storm. There's a lot of five stars in the state of Georgia this year, guys that they took when they were ranked lower who kind of 
earned their way up in the rankings, like Brenton Cox. I mean, he had been committed to Ohio State for a long time. He ends up flipping. Justin Fields initially was committed to Penn State and was ranked lower, and he played his way up in the rankings. So, you know, and then, and then they go out of state. They get the number one player in North Carolina, the running back, Samir White. They come down there and get James Cook. And then they go to Illinois and get Luke Ford. And it just seemed like it was snowballing. I mean, it was – it was crazy. Even on the early signing period, there were guys who were supposed to wait and not sign, and they ended up just riding that wave of momentum and wanting to jump in. So, you know, I think Alabama was really hurt by, you know, the defection of several coaches. I mean, obviously Pruitt took the job at, at Tennessee, but, you know, a guy like Derek Ainsley, who I know, uh, or at least I think you know pretty well, uh, yeah, you know, you know, he, he, kids love him, and all of a sudden, if he's your main recruiter, and he's gone to the NFL, and 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 you know, they lost one of the guys that had been around the program forever to who went out with Cristobal to Oregon. So you've got all of a sudden, you got two new, co- you know, you lose the offensive coordinator, so you got new coordinators, you got a new DB coach, and such a short period of time to build those relationships. Usually, Alabama could come in and steal other people's commits, but because of the early signing period, they couldn't do that. And I still think they close strong. They're going to finish probably in the top five, but uh, you know, it's, it's, it was just a, it was a tough year for them. And if you can have a tough year of recruiting and still end up in the top five, I guess you can't complain. Yeah, no, no, no doubt. Um, but you know how crazy these fans are. Alabama at nine, not in the top three. Uh, what's going on, especially when Kirby's the guy at number four. One, you did mention Tyson Campbell. You feel um, you guys are going to project him to um, – this sounds like election night, but you guys are projecting him to the Bulldogs. Why Why do you feel he'll end up in Georgia over – or Miami, who's made a late push, and Alabama, who also seem to be in it as well? Yeah, I mean, if he ended up going to Miami, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be stunned because, I mean, you know, with the season they had and everything like that, and, and obviously it's close to home, but – you know, for some reason, some with those American heritage kids, they love going to Athens. I don't know what what the deal is with that. Even it's it has kind of been a thing, hasn't it? Yeah, it just seems like they get one or two every year. And I think obviously, once you get one big guy, then he sells it to the next guy, and he sells it to the next guy, and it's a chain reaction. And so, I re- I I think he could walk into Georgia, and I think he could play right away. I think you look at Mel Tucker. Who, who's a guy with an NFL background and can kind of sell that as I know what it takes to get guys to the NFL. If you look what he did with a guy like, you know, DeAndre Baker, who, who you know, was from down there, he, he he turned him, I mean, into a guy who's probably going to have a chance to play on Sundays from a, from a player who was struggling to even see the field under the, the last staff. So uh, even when they were having DB problems. So, I mean, you know, the way he can develop guys, imagine if you give him, you know, a guy like Campbell who's already got, you know, special gifts that you just don't get see in a cornerback and, and give him a chance to work with him. I think that appeals to him. And I just think, uh, you know, the chance to play in the SEC and maybe, you know, have a shot at playing for championships. So obviously, he's going to probably have that at Miami the way they're going. But, you know, you look at Georgia, what they were able to do. I feel like they were ahead of schedule this year, getting to the championship game and Kirby's second season. And, I think they're going to have a chance to be in that discussion, uh, you know, on a yearly basis going forward. You know, one of the surprises uh, also for me in looking at the rankings and how this cycle has gone is that uh, with all of the success that they've had, Clemson sitting at number 12 is a little bit of an eye-opener for me. 
Um, what kind of move do you expect them to make tomorrow? And are you, like me, surprised at them being outside of the top ten right now? Yeah, it's kind of weird because every year, they, they, you know, somehow they never have enough spots. It seems like they have a ton of guys leave early for the draft. But every mm-hmm. year, it's like, oh, they've only got 12 spots. They've only got 13 spots. So I think that's what's keeping them low is the number of commits they have right now. I don't expect them to take a, take a whole lot. I think, you know, they were hoping to, to you know, get in on Sertain. Obviously, they're not going to get him. Um, mm-hmm. And there was some other guy they missed on a DB out of Texas. They really wanted to commit to Texas A&M last night. So I think they're going to end up settling with, uh, you know, at least one three-star DB probably out of the Atlanta area and then, and then maybe one or two other guys, but you know they they kind of swung and missed late on some of these DBs, and uh, I would say that's going to hurt them. It'll hurt them in the team rankings, but you know they had a they had a great DB class that they brought in last year. They were able to redshirt one or two of those guys, and I think they have two or three NFL guys on their roster that are that are coming back. So I, I think they'll be fine in terms of depth, but. They they definitely I think they waited a little too long to get in on some of these guys. One of the guys they like, Mario Goodrich out of uh, Missouri. I think he ends up at LSU as well, uh, along with Sertain. So, um, you know, it's it's just interesting to see how it's all played out because the, I think you know they were surprised. Uh, Clemson was surprised with some guys from their you know defensive backfield leaving early for the draft, and it it kind of left them a little shorthanded or trying to play catch up, and, and they end up missing on some guys. Yeah, there's so many moving parts now for uh, these coaches and programs in recruiting. Um, which one of you guys is going to leave early? Um, now you've got an early signing date to worry about, and then you know, obviously, you've got this one here in in February. If you don't, if you mismanage any one of those three parts, um, then you could find yourself sliding down really fast in the recruiting rankings. Well, yeah, you think about it. You're you're essentially some of these classes signed 20 guys, okay? So you sign 20 players and then you have some guy leave early that you had no idea it was going to happen. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have a gaping need. I mean, you know, I think it was Oklahoma was one of the schools that they had a D line, you know, they were planning on taking one D tackle and next, mm-hmm. and they had actually, you know, kind of turned away or slow played some guys that were highly ranked there in the Midwest. And then uh, next thing you know, they had a D tackle who's probably not even going to get drafted, leave early. And all of a sudden they're scrambling to replace him, and and I think they're going to probably get Michael Thompson, who's a who's a top 100 guy out of uh, St. Louis. But I mean, you know that that was a guy that they essentially had told you know thanks but no thanks leading into that early signing period. So luckily they were able to get him back, but I'm sure plenty of other schools are going to have horror stories of guys who left, or uh, you know, or guys who who decided to transfer, guys who left for the NFL that they didn't anticipate when they were laying out their numbers on who they wanted to take in December. Who's your biggest surprise team in this cycle right now? Oh boy, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I you know, I'm actually surprised with LSU because we saw some coaching turnover there. I mean, we saw the offensive coordinator leave, and if you look mm-hmm. at some of the wide receivers they've been able to get, I mean. Yeah, they they didn't get a quarterback this class, which I think hurts for them. But, you know, it was kind of chaotic there. I mean, when they lost to Troy, people were talking, you know, did they make the wrong move hiring Orgeron? What were they thinking? Yeah. They rushed into it, and they're going to end up with a top five, at least top ten class. They're, you know, they, they landed a, you know, a five-star wide receiver in Terrace Marshall right before uh, the dead period there. I think he signed in the last day of the early signing period. And I think they're online to, to land Jamar Chase, who had been committed to Florida uh, under McElwain. I think they get him. 
as I mentioned, and I think they're going to close with the two DBs, and that's, you know, a credit to Corey Raymond, who's, you know, obviously one of the best in the biz with what he's able to do. I'm surprised, you know, I was listening to a, to a podcast recently, and they were talking about why these defensive coordinators keep getting recycled and getting second chances, and they were they attributed it to there not being enough good candidates for, for mm-hmm. defensive coordinator. I just can't believe a school hasn't gone to Corey Raymond and given him a promotion from being just a DB's coach. I mean, he reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, T-Rob, who – who was at yeah. Florida coaching DBs and putting guy after guy after guy in the NFL. And finally, Muschamp, you know, gave him a chance to go with him there and, and be a defensive coordinator and look how it's worked out. I mean, they won nine games. And, and once again, he's going to have guys drafted. So I, I was surprised. I, I'm surprised when I hear that. I just, <clears throat> that, that he's not a guy that is mentioned more because I mean, when you talk about his track record, I mean, watch an NFL game you know, and, and tell me that a lot of guys. guys yeah. The field. Right. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't got, discount such a move being made uh, for Corey Raymond um, and within the next two or three years, especially if they continue to have success on the defensive side of the ball, which I don't see, um, you know, falling falling to the wayside anytime soon. I don't know what they'll do offensively, but I still see LSU uh, playing good on that side of the ball. So who, who's our biggest mover tomorrow? I, you know, I know you. Probably got you got your ear to the street, and you know some things. Maybe uh, some others don't. So who's who's uh, who? Do you think is going to be the biggest mover tomorrow in the team rankings? Well, I think USC is going to shoot up there. I mean, you know, I, we, we Rob and I were joking about how the the Pac-12 forgot there was an early signing period. I mean, if you go look at some of the commit lists, there are schools mm-hmm. with ten commits. You know, not even let alone guys signed. Uh, I think mm-hmm. USC is at, sitting at like 14 or maybe even 13 because I think they, they had a guy flip last night. But I think they're going to close with, you know, Warren G's son, Elijah Griffin, the five-star defensive back. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised to see them get uh, Taylor Stewart, another five-star DB out of there. And I think, you know, they're going to land a couple other guys, big-time receivers. So I think we're going to see them. I think they're somewhere in the, the you know, 10, 10 to 13 range right now. I think they finished probably top seven. And, mm-hmm. you know, at some point, we, we, you know, I was talking about this with someone earlier. They've got to get over that hump. I know Helton signed a contract extension today, but in terms of a talent, uh, you know, uh, basis right now, they have the best talent in that conference, and there's no reason they shouldn't be, be in that playoff discussion. They can't be losing three or four games every year. So uh, he's there for the long haul, and obviously they're going to recruit well. But, you know, I, you wonder at some point did they get, people get a little restless if they don't, uh, you know, get themselves into the playoff here soon because we've had Oregon in the playoff. We've had Washington in the playoff. And it's crazy to think that the USC with all the talent they have hasn't, hasn't made it over that hump yet. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sure they're going to slide, you know, uh, the covers off of those pitchforks soon um, because they do <laughs> get, uh, they do get talent. And you know what else, you know, we talked about this with, with Greg Biggins earlier um, they have somehow done a really good job of of having an outstanding national signing day. So, you know, getting guys to go to the table and pick their hat and kind of be um, the talk of signing day. They seem to do that every year. I don't know how. Yeah, they, they do. I mean, we, we saw the one year at Texas where Charlie Strong had a bunch of people wait and kind of commit. So it seemed like Texas had a huge wave of, of players, and I think USC is kind of doing that same thing. I mean, I think it was 2015 that, at least in our rankings, they dethroned Alabama with with a late push 
of, uh, of five-star guys and some of them have panned out, some of them haven't, but, you know, I think they're going to have a day like that again tomorrow. And I don't know if it's planned or, you know, I don't know if it's the California kids just waiting as long as they can so they can get the, the most attention, but, uh, it'd be know, it. yeah, I, I, but guess what? I mean, you can, you know, you win signing day every year. It's, you know, per, sometimes perception is reality, and you and I both know that the kids around the country pay a lot of attention to it, and you hear them say, oh, man, they they did this on signing day, so, uh, they you know, they must be good, and, uh, you know, that's how it works. I think they're going to close strong. I think, uh, you know, some obviously I mentioned Alabama earlier. That's You know, I'm a little nervous about Florida. That seems to be – there seem to be some guys that, that, that we thought were headed to Florida who might be going elsewhere, so I think – you know, Gators fans would be a little nervous. I think Florida State closes strong based on what I'm hearing with, with some of their targets. Now they might not be, and this is what 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 I was uh, was, was saying earlier is that they're getting they're going to close strong. They're going to get some commits, but a lot of the guys, you know, maybe four stars outside of the 250, those type of players, which is great because, you know, Willie didn't have much time. But at the same time, those are not the type of players that Florida State is usually getting. I think they're taking some shots on some guys that they might not normally take in a, in a year. And they're, just, they're kind of playing salvage mode because these new coaches only had so much time to, to work uh, after they took the job with, with the signing period coming so early. Yeah. The first classes are always tricky and you're never sure uh, what you're getting there. So um, we'll have to keep an eye on that. Well, Woody, um, you were a late addition, uh, but we say the best for last, right? That's how we're looking at this thing. <laughs> Right, exactly. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be down there this weekend. We'll be hanging out this weekend. Hopefully, you're going to come out to the camp uh, on I Sunday. I will. I will be there. Yeah, I'm going to be okay, there. Okay, so Check I'll it. be there, and I'll need you to defend me when people are yelling at me over the the MVP awards, uh, which is a yearly tradition down there in Miami. So. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And let me tell you, Woody, that's not going to change. Get ready to get cussed out, man. The moment you um, name whoever that guy is going to be, for sure. Looking forward to it. Well, guess guess what? When we when we gave you know, remember we gave the word to Lamar Jackson one year, and someone told us it was rigged. So uh, I don't know if the Heisman yeah. Trophy was rigged too, but that was, what do you what, yeah? What do us. you guys what do you guys at rivals know, right? Well, <laughs> right, um, exactly. Yeah, saddle up, South Florida again, man. Woody, thanks for coming on and talking to us here on the Gridiron Stud Show. All right, Joe. I'll see you this weekend. All right, that's the uh, that's the last. Of the uh, recruiting reporters, man, we had them all, man. What do we end up with? Nine guys on here, nonstop recruiting action. Listen, I'm going to leave this last um, 30 minutes to the show. If we go that long um, for you guys, the the uh, listeners, and those of you watching on Facebook Live, if you have any recruiting questions. Um, but before that, I'm going to um, give my thoughts on where the American Heritage Four are going. But before we do that. Um, again, the Gridiron Studs app, parents, um, high school recruits. Um, if you're not on the Gridiron Studs app, man, you're missing out. Okay, you need to get on that right now. The Gridiron Studs recruiting app connects high school football players with college football fans and coaches from around the country. Get on the Gridiron Studs recruiting app and create a profile detailing your physical and academic achievements and put them on full display for not only college football coaches, but fans as well. So start a fan base. Keep them updated with your latest recruiting updates. We've got over 100 college coaches using the Gridiron Studs app right now, and over 1,500 uh, players are registered right now, prospects 
um, are on the Gridiron Studs app. So I don't know what you're waiting for. Go download the Gridiron Studs recruiting app right now. Create your own profile. Start your own fan base. That stuff's important because, you know, athletes are brand too. So head over to the App Store or the Google Play Store. Search Gridiron Studs. Download the app and get yourself going right now. Don't fall behind. Don't you dare fall behind. All right, Gridiron Studs app. Hey, how do you guys like my long sleeve? All Eyes DB Camp. If you're listening to this on the radio, um, you can't see this, so that's just really bad radio. But we're also doing this also on Facebook Live. So this part, this little segment is for uh, you folks watching me here on Facebook Live. I've got these new long sleeve All Eyes DB Camp shirts in. You want uh, one or two or maybe ten of these, inbox me right now. I'll tell you how you can cop these. Long sleeve, all ice DB camp shirts. All right. What are my thoughts? And all I have are thoughts on this whole thing because the, I think the theme for the entire night as it relates to uh, the four guys, the four big guys there at American Heritage, is that this has been the most tight-lipped, most sealed, most Fort Knoxed uh, recruiting that we've ever seen. Kudos to all of the families and the recruits for keeping it like that. In years past, things have seeped out or, you know, they haven't been too good at hiding where they're going. You know, sometimes they just really show it. Not not this crew. Um, nobody knows. Nobody knows. You heard Andrew Ivins. I mean, you could feel Andrew Ivins. Uh, when I asked him about Nesta Silveri, he's like, man, I don't know. I mean, it was about as true uh, a feeling. Um, he almost sounded frustrated about it. So no one really knows anything. So, um what I say um, is basically a feel here because I don't know anything for sure. You know, you would think I, I was saying tonight, it feels funny for me um, having coached these guys. They were on my side of the football. Okay. I was a defensive coordinator, American heritage this year. I talked to them quite a bit. Uh, it's funny for me to be asking people essentially on the outside where they think these guys are going. Um, I know some of you out there think it's just me tormenting some of these reporters because I actually know I, I don't know. Okay. I really don't know. So um, what do I think? I'm going to start with Andrew Chatfield. Uh, I'm just going to have to agree with the masses here. I think Chatfield is headed to Gainesville. He's going to be in Florida, probably a better fit for a three, four um, given his frame and um, you know, his athleticism and his length, probably a better fit at Florida over the university of Miami. I don't know. Um, if that played a big part in the decision, but my gut feeling is that Chatfield is going to head to Florida. And I think a lot of University of Miami fans feel that same way. They may have felt differently if Chatfield showed up unofficially this weekend to join the other three guys as they were on their official visits. Chatfield did take uh, his official Miami visit several weeks ago. Um, there was talk that maybe he would come down at some point during the weekend and join the other three unofficially on the visit. And I think had he done that, um, you know, the talk would have been loud and heavy that Chatfield would be heading to Miami. But uh, my gut tells me he's heading to Gainesville. He's going to be a Florida Gator. Um, where should I go next? I'm going to go Tyson Campbell. Um, Tyson's really down to Alabama, Georgia, and Miami. Um, I, I really think it's a Georgia and Miami race. Um, I think Alabama losing Ainsley as a DB coach is a big thing. Uh, relationships are a big deal for Tyson Campbell. Um, 
uh, having a, a some kind of a bond or relationship with the defensive back coach is important to him, and he, you know, just not enough time for him to have that with uh, the new DC and defensive back coach at Alabama. So I think it just comes down to Georgia and Miami. What's my gut tell me? Uh, based on what I just told you guys, um, Tyson and and the Georgia thing has been going on for for quite some time now. Yes, I know there's a you know a longstanding relationship between Campbell and Mike Rump that goes back to the Little League days. I'm reminded of this um, something I observed leaving Little League football and heading to high school football, and then having to tell um, another high school coach who came from Little League is that that relationship in in Pop Warner Little League Optimus doesn't necessarily mean as much as you would think. At the end of the day, I just know parents and uh, kids to do what they think is in their best interest. And it's nothing personal. It's just uh, a lot of recruits and their parents understand that you have one shot at this thing. And um, while it does come down to relationships, that's not the end all and be all. They're going to pursue what they think is the best opportunity. And for whatever reason, I feel like Campbell thinks that that's at Georgia. I think for Campbell, um, I think he feels more of what he wants is at the University of Georgia. It almost seems to me like Miami came into this thing late. It was it it was Georgia. It was Alabama. It was Clemson. And then suddenly Miami came in late. And I just don't think a late run works for Tyson Campbell. So um, while I think it comes down to Miami and Georgia, I think just the longstanding back and forth um, and recent relationship with with Georgia and Mel Tucker um, is probably going to win out. Uh, I will say I wouldn't go bet money on it, but I just think tomorrow – Campbell's going to put on the Georgia hat. Um, Pat Sertan, I, listen, if you'd asked me this three weeks ago, if you asked me this a month ago, three months ago, six months ago, maybe even a year ago, I'd have said LSU all day, take it to the bank, I'll bet money on it with a gun to my head, LSU. Now, as I sit here today, I think it's Alabama. I, I think Pat Sertan's heading to Alabama. I think he's the number one cornerback in the country, uh, barring injury, is an NFL football player at the position. I mean, he's built like an NFL player right now. And I think adding to that um, the greatest chance, and let's not – listen, you can be a fan of your team, but you also got to be real. Um, the greatest chance of winning a national championship exists in Tuscaloosa. That's the way it's been for the last decade now. And so, you know, you never want to say a guy's a shoe-in for the NFL, but um, he's as solid a future NFL uh, prospect as there's been. I could say that about all four of these guys, but that's certainly the case for Sertan. And I think Alabama has a need at the position. Alabama's constantly in the college football playoff. Alabama's constantly in the final game for the championship. So the greatest chance to win a championship and then also play in the NFL and whatever else comes after that exists in Tuscaloosa. And I think um, Sertan's going to go for that best opportunity. 
as crazy as it may seem for him to not end up at LSU, given the family's history of being from Louisiana. Um, and again, I would say to you, if you, if you asked me this question three weeks ago, a month ago, I would have said LSU. But as I stand here today, and this is the last thing that I'm probably going to say about recruiting until um, we get an auditorium and find out for sure tomorrow, I think it's Alabama. I think Pastor Tan's heading to Tuscaloosa, which is crazy if you're an LSU fan. And it's the, that's the arch rival. But I think all of uh, everything Sertan wants, short of being close to the family, exists in Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So I think Patrick Sertan heads to Alabama. And that leaves us with Nesta Silvera, um, who has been a commit to Miami for quite some time. Um, but only recently, within the last month or so, there's been a a lot of buzz and a lot of talk about the University of Florida. And um, as I discussed with several of our reporters tonight, you woke up one day and um, Florida, you heard the Florida coaching staff feels pretty good that they flipped Nesta Silvera. Then you wake up the next morning and uh, the University of Miami staff feels pretty good about Nesta coming and sticking with his commitment to the University of Miami. You go to sleep, you wake up the next day, um, a rival SEC program feels that Florida has flipped Nesta Silvera. You know, I never thought I'd be saying this two weeks ago. He's the one I, I, I least can figure out where he's going. And to be honest with you, I felt like this is how it was going to be with him coming down to the end. But then he committed to Miami, and it seemed like, okay, we're solid. We, got, we know where this thing's going, and uh, we, we have our answers early. Um but lo and behold, down here at the end, it's a, it's a great big mystery, a puzzle, a riddle, all that. So I would love to say here I have a really strong gut feeling on what Nesta is going to do tomorrow, but I don't. I mean, it's literally 50-50 on him. He may know right now where he's going and walk up on that stage tomorrow and go to go to the other school. So... I wish I could tell you guys something. You guys want me to flip a coin? You got a coin? Is there a coin here? I'm going to flip a coin right now and make a prediction. I'm going to actually flip a coin here if I could find one right here on my desk. There's got to be one here. I, I keep a penny. I'm going to do that for you guys here. And for you guys listening on the radio, I'm searching through. I found myself a penny. I'm going to flip a coin. Let's see what this thing says. I'm actually going to play referee. And we're going to go on that. Whatever. Whatever this thing lands on, um, we're going to go with that on this one. So here's the coin. Heads for Miami. Tails for Florida. Watch this thing bounce off the desk. And just for the folks listening on Blog Talk Radio, I'm going to actually flip a coin right here for Nesta Silvera. Heads Miami. Tails Florida. And that's what I'm going to go with. Oh, this thing's rolling. We got drama. It's heads, University of Miami. That was very scientific, wasn't it? So I'm going to send Nesta Silvera to the University of Miami. Uh, that's what my gut is saying, the gut also known as a penny that I just flipped. All right. Any of you watching here on the show uh, on Facebook Live that want to ask me any recruiting questions, feel free to get those in right now. You could fire them in there. I'll be happy to uh, take those. You can also call into the show if you're listening on Blog Talk Radio right now. The number to call is 319-527-6059. 
Got about another 23 minutes max in this broadcast. Uh, Mario Daly, who's on Facebook. Um, a guy from West Coast. Went to my high school, Canyon Springs High School. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Mario. But yes, went to uh, Canyon Springs High School. Is asking why Patrick Sertan is not staying in Florida. Hey, listen, to be honest, um, he's lived down here, but the family's not from Florida. So, you know, the whole... Um, Florida pride thing, the whole, you know, put on for your city. I don't know if that's going to register as it would with someone else um, that was born and, and raised in Miami. I think I think Pat might have been born in Kansas City. Could be wrong on that. It just I know he's – I don't think he was born in Florida. I could be wrong. Could be wrong on all that. I should know that, right? But um, just not – the family's roots are Louisiana, so – I don't think that's going to resonate as strongly as maybe it would with someone else from the heart of the 305. So that's just not going to fall that way. And then, listen, um, I'm going to say this again. Alabama's been on top of the college football world for a decade now. And um, when you're the number one guy in the country at your position, you can kind of go wherever. You can kind of go wherever you want and – um, if we're all being honest with ourselves, I don't care what fan you are, whether you're a Miami fan, Florida fan, Florida State fan, Georgia fan, whatever. Um, the University of Alabama provides you right now, currently, with the best opportunity to win a national championship. And so um, you throw that in there with everything else, and it probably you could say that that has everything that he wants, with the exception of being right there, close to home, um, where, you know, it's a short drive down the highway to go see you. And he would get that at the University of Miami. Um, do I think the trip this weekend um, did anything for him? Maybe, slightly. Um, I get the feeling uh, that to... I get the feeling that he, they may have known or had a pretty good idea um, where they were going prior to the UM trip. And it probably would have taken something um, unknown um, out of this world to happen on this trip, some new revelation that would have uh, taken all of the eggs out of the LSU and Alabama basket and put them into the Miami basket. But I just think that, the run was too long and, and, and more out in front with LSU and Alabama than than Miami's. True, uh, Sertan had showed up to several local events, um, and, you know, that would give Miami fans a, a good feeling about things, but I'm just – I don't know that that means as much as maybe Miami fans thought it did. And, you know, when you get three of the four guys in on your trip of the last week, and I've had this discussion with several people um, – you would think that would result in maybe two out of the four or three out of the four. I just don't know that you're, you know, you're going to get that, you know, and uh, sorry for Miami fans um, to be telling them that that's just my, my gut feeling on this thing. If you folks have any questions for me, feel free to drop them in right now. Uh, those of you watching me here on Facebook live. And uh, if you're listening to us right now on blog talk radio, three, one, nine, five, two, seven, Six zero five nine. We had a lot of great information and things that were passed on to us here. 
um, on tonight's broadcast. Always fun doing these. Um, we had a wide range of guys. Rob Cassidy from Rivals came on. Andrew Spivey from Gator Country. Uh, Bud Elliott came on from uh, SB Nation and Tomahawk Nation. Um, Larry Bluestein uh, talking South Florida recruiting. Greg Biggins talking the West Coast. Bill Green talking the uh, the Midwest. Andrew Ivins. Who I just brought him in purely to deal with the American Heritage War situation. Um, and then we ended it with Woody Womack. We touched on a number of uh, topics, um, almost from coast to coast there with Woody Womack. So um, found out a lot of interesting things. Found out really that um, Florida State fans and Florida State's media feel a little bit better about what's going on in Tallahassee recruiting-wise and just overall with Willie Taggart than um, maybe I thought and uh, maybe the way things seem on Twitter. might just be who I follow on Twitter, just fans shooting shots at each other all day. It's a war zone this time of year uh, on my Twitter feed between uh, Florida State, Florida, and Miami fans, just nonstop shots. Uh, They'll be firing early tomorrow, and certainly as uh, the faxes come in, uh, they'll be firing as well. Larry Bluestein, as always, provides a great deal of amount of uh, information, um, a great source to tap into. We've decided that um, we just don't make quarterbacks down here in South Florida. Really hard to find. There's only a handful of them down here. We're not flushed with them. Um, the quarterbacks still are in Texas and California and parts of Pennsylvania and uh, those parts of the country. We do run fast. This has to be the fastest class I think I've ever seen. I think uh, Larry would agree the same with him. And Lord knows he's seen a whole bunch of uh, these recruiting classes. But we've got a bunch of track stars in this one, starting with Anthony Schwartz, who may run a sub-1,000 meters this year. Yeah, that might happen. And uh, pretty close to him on that is going to be Tyson Campbell, who's going to be running somewhere in the low 10s. And you got Sean Shivers and a host of other guys that are going to run under 10-7 this year. So that's very interesting. Um, that's going to be a very interesting thing to look at is we've got a ton of guys, ton of speedsters on this uh, 2018 class that's um, going to be heading out to various parts. Where exactly, we uh, will find out tomorrow for some of them, but a really fast and uh, exciting class. Larry Bluestein and I tend to uh, agree with this, is that Mark Richt and the University of Miami is doing very well down here in South Florida, maybe not as good enough for some fans, you know, and it's hard to satisfy fans. Definitely better than the last regime. I will say that for sure. And it showed itself on the field. I think the biggest thing for the University of Miami and Mark Rick is just to continue to win games. Seems to be the only thing that they understand down here in South Florida. I've been saying this for a long time. I said this a whole lot during um, Al Golden's regime. He was putting on festivals and bringing out clowns and doing all kind of silly things. And um, I only say silly because we're different here in South Florida. For any other business, those are probably good ideas. Um, They understand one thing down here in South Florida, and that's winning, and that's what you pack the stadium with. So it wouldn't matter if you had a clown show or you had a bounce house um, at an event you wouldn't get a bunch of people to the Notre Dame game like that if you if the fans didn't think you had a legit shot at winning and if those two teams weren't good. So winning cures um, not just a lot, almost everything down here as it pertains to the University 
of Miami. But, um, you know, a lot of good things. We're finding out, and we learned with uh, Bill Green, that, you know, Jim Harbaugh just signed a big contract, a new contract there with Michigan, but he needs to get his act together uh, recruiting-wise. He's getting his clock cleaned by Urban Meyer and uh, James Franklin at Penn State. And then now the uh, Big Ten has also added Scott Frost to the mix, a pretty damn good coach. So that's even more problems. I mean, fortunate for Jim Harbaugh that Wisconsin just doesn't go and sign big-time classes. They don't sign top 15, top 20 classes, just not a thing that they do. God forbid if they did, they'd be in big trouble. And the same with Michigan State. Um, I'm, you know, who knows about the future for Michigan State, but they've never been big on recruiting classes. They've just coached their rear ends off. Thankfully for Jim Harbaugh, that's not the case, or he'd really be in trouble in the Big Ten. But um, one more class like this, Michigan's sitting here at 17 right now. I don't know if they'll climb from that tomorrow, but one more class like this, and I think the fan base in uh, Ann Arbor is going to start making uh, some noise. Um, Andrew Ivins, he's – I mean, he's been as close to this situation with Campbell, Sertan, Silvera, and Chatfield as anyone. But, um, you know, his guess is as good as mine and anyone else's. So um, he thinks Sertan is going to LSU. He's got Campbell um, going to Georgia. He thinks Silvera goes to Miami, and, but he's not sure about it. And Chatfield's going to Florida. I think that's the only one people really feel confident about is uh, Chatfield going to Florida. So um, that's that's where we are with that. My my official gut picks on the uh, American Heritage Forest are Tana, Alabama, Campbell of Georgia, Silvera to Miami, and uh, Chatfield of Florida. Those are my thoughts. And so um, if you guys don't have any questions, I think I'm going to head out on this thing. I've been doing this. I'm, this is like a professional show now, guys, almost uh, three hours here. I could probably do another three, but I won't. All right, so I'm going to uh, wind things down here. I appreciate all of you guys listening to uh, the Gridiron Stud Show. I appreciate it. This is always one of my favorite shows of the year. Um, and uh, it's always fun having all of the recruiting reporters on and speculating. This is like uh, election night, projections for players. We actually use that word tonight. Um, Tyson Campbell was projected to go to the University of Georgia. But what other word are you going to use? It's pretty what it is, projections. So, again, I want to thank you all for listening. Um, I appreciate it. And um, tomorrow's National Signing Day, Christmas, for all the college football programs. They're going to be on, and uh, the faxes are humming. It's just funny to me that we're in 2018. We're still using faxes to solidify this thing. That's where we're at. So, enjoy the National Signing Day festivities tomorrow. I'll be back on at the end of the week to summarize what we had going on here. Um, I may even come back on on Thursday. It might be that important. If something wild, really wild happens tomorrow, uh, I'll have a Thursday show. Hey, bless you there. Jumping in on the show. I wish I could turn the camera around on this. People sneezing off camera. What's next? A black cat going to run across my face here? Oh, man. Facebook Live. You got to love it. But, hey, thanks to all of you who uh, watched me on Facebook Live. Thanks to all of you who listened on Blog Talk Radio. For all of my guests, I appreciate them all being on the show today. I'm not going to name them all, but I thank them all for being on the show. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Great Iron Stud Show. (laughs) 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.